Broadcasting from another dimension. Deep within the Ghost Shrimp National Forest. Sending you secrets from the future directly into your motherfucking mind. <laughs> what up, everybody? Welcome back again to the Ghost Ship and Friends podcast, episode 80, which I messed up the numbers on. Um, if you listen to uh, part one of this Adventure Time interview, um, at the end, you hear me realize that I messed up the sequence of the numbering of these episodes. We were actually on episode, this should have been episode 77 and 78, but instead I made them 79 and 80, um, part one and part two of these interviews. So, uh, we will circle back around and the next two episodes will be episodes uh, 77 and 78. So uh, we are making it up as we go along. We're going to make it till we make it and we're going to make it great. (laughs) All right. So uh, as we jump back in, uh, we are getting deeper into the evening and deeper into this old bottle of whiskey. Uh, We're over here at Kent Osborne's house, Kent's Clubhouse Bed and Breakfast. And uh, we are continuing to interview each other with the questions sent to us by Paul Thomas for his new book that is going to come out from McFarland and Company Publishing. Um, and uh, that's really all there is to say <laughs> about it. Um, this is, uh, you know, we definitely, I think, get louder and more boisterous and more hilarious. Uh, lots of loud laughing in this episode. I haven't listened back to them yet, but just remembering from last night um, and uh, the logic of uh, the volume, especially with me getting turned up as I uh, consume more whiskey uh, throughout the night. And this is a, just a really fun romp through the nostalgia of uh, me and Kent's experience on Adventure Time and really celebrating our current uh, great friendship and uh, neighbordom out here in the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont. So uh, let's fucking jump right into this fucking two-hour interview with Kent Osborne, head writer of Adventure Time, two-time Emmy Award winner. This man is a treasure, and you are in for a real treat. All right, here we are once again at Casa de Kent, Kent's Clubhouse Bed and Breakfast, with part two of our exciting Adventure Time interview. And I will be playing the part of Paul Thomas <laughs> this time. Yes. 
And this is I like will they be... did uh, True West on Broadway, and the actors every other night they would switch roles. Right. Yeah. It's like Face Off. John yeah. Travolta, Nicolas yeah. Cage. You know, <laughs> we're to, I'm Paul putting Paul Thomas's face on right now. Yeah. And uh, I will be asking the questions. And I'll be playing Kent Osborne. Kent will be appearing as himself. Tonight's this interview is brought to you brought to you by ad agent brand Maple Syrup. Ooh, nice sponsor. I like that. Yeah, because you're getting some promotion for your podcast. But right. Hey. But let's throw some back your way. Yeah. Even though it's not for sale. <laughs> no, it's so exclusive. <laughs> yeah. <You're laughs> you already have to be friends with us yeah. to taste it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and these will be the, the, the questions that Paul Thomas has sent to us. Uh, an interview for his book about Adventure Time for... McFarland and Company Publishing. And so we'll we'll jump right into it. The first question is, how did you get started on the show? How did you move up to storyboard artist? What a great question, Paul. <laughs> um, I got started on the show. I was working at Cartoon Network. I was on Flapjack as a story editor. And we were in season two. And... Uh, Flapjack was a, a, a great um, show, great experience. A lot of people working on it that um, were leaving. Um, uh, Penn and Pat left to do Adventure Time. JG left to do a uh, regular show. Um, Alex, Alex Hirsch went, uh, left to do Gravity Falls. Fish Hooks first, right? Yes. He ran that show. Uh, did he? Mm-hmm. I right. think so. Okay. Um, but the I think second season, yeah, people were leaving. Other people were moving up. I was kind of like, ah, what am I doing here? And, like, I really, um, yeah, I loved Flapjack. But also I was like, oh, I wish I was working on Adventure Time. And I remember I went down into Penn's office. <laughs> I've probably talked about this before. but And I was like, oh, I really want to work on Adventure Time. But I'm on Flapjack. And I... I feel like I'm dating a, a girl, and I but I want to date another girl. <laughs> and Penn was like, well, I'm friends with the girl you're dating, so I don't <laughs> want to talk to you about this. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, oh, but, that's so funny. But also I was feeling sort of like, um, I was feeling like when you're on a show at Cartoon Network, you can't really, you know, you can't leave to do another show. You're sort of like on that show, and they there's bouts of unemployment because the season ends and they say, well, you're unemployed. Here's some literature on unemployment and uh, good luck. And you say, okay. And then, you know, the show gets picked up and then they give you a call. Hey, we're back. Like come back on Monday. And you don't really, you know, you feel sort of obligated to come back even though there's no negotiations to bring you back. Anyway. So that that sounds like current baggage. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. This is, what a there's so many people who are like interested in animation. <laughs> they're, they're, they're hearing about all right, Paul, uh, cut all this. You don't want to, no one wants right, to hear cut. this. Start over. Here but we the, go. The point is basically I was um very uh respectful and and responsible and I, in the middle of season two I told Thorup, I said, Hey, listen, I wanna just be a free agent and not I wanna I'm gonna give my uh my notice that at the end of the season, I'm, I'm not coming back if there's a season three. Yeah. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Yeah. I was just like, look, I, I'm tired of, you know, feeling like 
Uh, what, oh, God. Can we start over? <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a more diplomatic way to right. say this. Okay. All right. I was working at Cartoon Network on Flapjack, <laughs> and my time there had come to an end. <laughs> And uh, Adventure Time was 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 still uh, they were in they were in production for season one and uh, Derek Dryman um, yeah he he uh, came to my office and said hey would you be interested in storyboarding on Adventure Time so you had already expressed interest and then they were like hey do you want to come join the show yeah like I think I I I, I yeah I met Penn and I loved Adventure Time and. I, you know, I had the feeling that Flapjack was maybe coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I kind of wanted to, like, yeah, jump, jump ship. Um, what were the signs that it was coming to an end? Like, if you're on a show, like, how do you know that? Because uh, there was, I, so there was a new, the, Rob Sorcher had come in. And mm-hmm. usually when a new uh, person comes in, they kind of let the shows that are on the air kind of die out. And then, because they don't want, you know, they want to. He was greenlighting Adventure Time and regular shows, so he was. I just had I had a feeling like Flapjack wasn't gonna keep going. And we were saying Rob Sorcher was the chief creative officer. Yeah, is that what we were yeah. calling him? Yeah, CCO. <laughs> CCO. That's a thing, yeah. right? Um, he greenlit Mad Men and Breaking Bad. To the great best. track records. Yeah, and Adventure Time. And Adventure Boom! Time. Now three, he added that. Three you know? for three. We didn't know at the time, but yeah. you know that's right up there. Well, I remember he he came and I there's some executive and I said, oh, I really love Mad Men. I'm excited he's here. And they said, you should go to his office and tell him that. <laughs> Did you take that advice? No, I was like, I'm not gonna go. Hi, I love Mad Men, but it was like I don't you know Breaking Bad and Mad Men were both kind of like still kind of cult status at that point. They right, they hadn't really caught on. It was like. First, second season. Uh, anyways, I had really good taste. So, <laughs> but um, but no, I really wanted to work on Adventure Time. I was like super jealous of everybody that was down there. What was it that made you want to work on Adventure Time? The pilot. Like I was at Disney when the pilot was on YouTube and I was like, mm. everybody's watching it. Like, oh my God, you know. And then when I got, when Thurp hired me on Flapjack, uh, you know, in, in the first meeting, like Penn was there, and I was like, "Oh my God, you made Adventure Time!" And I'd I'd actually already met Penn. He, I was living at the brewery in downtown Los Angeles, and there was an art walk where all the you know uh, lofts would open up their doors, and you'd walk around into everyone's loft and like see their art. And this one guy had a bunch of like CalArts students there, and Penn was there, and he had done all these like drawings on the on the wall and stuff. And I was like, "Hey, my brother went to CalArts," and I was like excited to meet him. Anyways, and I didn't realize when I saw Adventure Time that that was this this guy that I had met. And wow. when I met him on Flapjack, I was like, "Hey, I met you." And he was like, uh-huh. "Yeah, I remember when I came on Flapjack, he was like, and the guy that did Adventure Time is on here." And I didn't know, I didn't, I hadn't seen the pilot. I didn't see. I remember I was working at, on Phineas and Ferb at Disney, and everybody was like just watching it in their cubes. Everyone wow. was like, "Have you seen this?" And wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was very exciting that like Cartoon Network was picking up Adventure Time. Like it, was, it seemed like. I don't know, because Penn's boards for Flapjack were the funniest boards I've ever seen. Right. In the in the pitch, like when he's pitching them. I was yeah. like, holy shit, like this guy is so talented and <clears throat> this is so funny and this is, there's nothing like it. And so when they, and they, and then they picked up Adventure Time and then it was like he and Pat were going off to develop it. And I was like, oh, I want to be, I want to work on that, you know, um, but also feeling sort of, yeah, loyalty to Thurup, which 
Which, by the middle of season two, I was like, eh. <laughs> that loyalty was waning. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was great. But it was also, like, when you start on a show, it's really exciting. And then when people start to leave, and then then it turns into a job. You're just mm-hmm. like, well, we're just making, we're just doing a show, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever. It, it, it did. It was a shitty position to be in because it was like it was like dating someone that you like and then you meet someone else that you yeah especially in the same studio it's super awkward yeah yeah and it's I was like t- you want to go out with her sister yeah well <laughs> i was talking about it on your on your podcast that we just did but being on the third floor looking down the hole yeah. and like this derek dryman was doing this speech and i was just like oh i was just, i was longing to be on that crew you know and um did you feel like you knew that adventure time was gonna be something special yeah 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 for sure just because Penn was so talented and and pat was talented and and you know yeah it just it seemed like it was the planets were aligning and and it was it was a good uh yeah i was just like well this is either gonna like be a huge hit or it's not gonna make it on the air and it'll be like this legendary story of like this show that never, you know, got made or something. Wow. Like Jodorowsky's Dune. Yeah, exactly. Like there's going to be a documentary about it. Wow. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the, the my last day on Flapjack, uh, Derek Dryman said, do you want to be a storyboarder? Um, and I'd been doing, you know, I'd done boards on, I'm primarily a writer. Like I was hired uh, on SpongeBob as a writer. And started doing boards. I'd just do like stick figures, and they would get cleaned up by by people that actually could draw. And um, but then when I was on Flapjack, I was like doing. I was getting better at drawing, and so yeah, they asked me if I wanted to do boards. And so yeah, I came on in the middle of season one, and I think my first episode was uh, Wedding Bells Thaw. When Wedding Bells Thaw, I remember that. It was me and Nikki Yang. Yep. The voice of Bimo and Lady Rainicorn. Shout out. Yeah, and uh, 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 Adam Muto and uh, Elizabeth Ito were in the cube right next to us, and uh, yeah, it was like re- it was really scrappy. Like there was, you know, at that point, like we weren't on the air yet, and uh, there was, you know, a question of whether or not the show was even going to go forward. And uh, but I think when right when I came in, that's when Derek and Meriwether were there, so it was kind of like okay, we're this is like this is going forward. Um, but I remember one of my first episodes I was boarding, I like I pitched a joke where like Ice King is like tr- trying to find his phone and he like picks up his pants and gets his phone out of his pants that he'd like left on his you know, and Penn was like, Oh, that's great <laughs> I was like, Oh good. Like I'm in the right place. Like I can that's just I did that because that's what I do in the morning. Um but you wait, what was the question? How did I start? Yeah, I started as a storyboarder. And how, yeah, so you started as a storyboard artist. Yeah, so yeah. And I wasn't you I wasn't didn't in move the, up to storyboard artist. No, I wasn't in the writer's room. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I had worked with Meriwether. Meriwether was the story editor, and I'd worked with her on SpongeBob. She was my like first boss. Mm-hmm. And then I worked with her on Camp Laszlo. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of a jerk. I was kind of a brat. Like I was I was always being a smart aleck in the room and stuff. And but then when I came on Adventure Time, I had been a story editor on Flapjack, and I had sort of got a taste of what she goes through. As as you know, you're, I was dealing with smart Alex. <laughs> so when I came on Adventure Time, I just said, "Hey, I have a newfound respect for what you do," and uh, and she was like, "Oh, that's nice to, of you to say." Uh, but then she left. Yeah, yeah. And then oh, and then yeah, Penn wanted me to be 
story editor. He said, I want you to be, uh, he told that to me when I came down. He said, I wish I could clone you and you could stay on Flapjack and also work on this. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Um, but uh, anyways, um, yeah, he wanted, Penn wanted me to be head writer or, you know, story editor. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they, yeah, they hired somebody else. And so I didn't, I didn't get in the writer's room until middle of season two. Um, I think, um, uh, Guardians of Sunshine. Wait, is that the... the Fact wiki? check, we're looking it up on the internet here. I have the wiki open. <laughs> it was the video game one, where they go in the video game. Um, Guardians of Sunshine, yeah. That was the first one I wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, uh, in the writer's room. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then I think, yeah. What's the next question? Let's all right. All right. Let's see. Where are we at? Oh, 13 minutes in. Can you get all that, Paul? Paul Thomas, <laughs> if you have any other questions or if any of this makes sense, you can, you can email me. I'll, I'll do follow up. Uh, I know. I thought about having him on the podcast to yeah. ask the questions, but right. then I was like, I'm not friends with him. Does right. that fit the parameters of the podcast? So, we will. It's just, I feel like I'm bad mouthing everybody. This, this is a horrible. Paul, don't make it sound like I'm a jerk. Paul, don't throw Kent under the bus. I want to work with McFarland and company in the future. Don't, please don't. Oh, man. All right. Question number two What was day to day life like as a storyboard artist? How much time did everything take to accomplish? roughly okay um well you get you get two weeks uh to do thumbnails Mm -hmm. um and that so basically what you start on a monday you do a handout and that's when like pen and pat um would sit down with you and your storyboard partner and you would get the outline and you'd all read it over and then kind of just go through it and make sure everybody's on the same page um you depending on the show you might get a uh uh package from the production team that gives you sort of you know backgrounds or character designs if there's any designs yet um but it's basically yeah it's just like the kind of the handout just to make sure that everyone is knows what they're doing and then you have uh, a week to do thumbnails and so um you know and it you're, you're when you're a storyboard artist you can kind of kind of come and go and work your own hours you're kind of expected to be i've been on productions where they the the line producer will say hey i noticed you came in at noon today <laughs> you're like yeah i was up till three in the morning um last night working on you know but but you know you're supposed to i i think it's you're, you're kind of um you can work your own hours so if you want to like go work from home if you want to go work in a coffee shop um as long as you don't miss your deadlines but so basically you have a week to do the first pass of thumbnails and then you would, uh, uh, depending on the production, I think on Adventure Time, we would do a first pitch to Penn and Pat and Derek, and we would just sort of pitch in the uh, in your cube or office. You'd kind of pin up the boards. I mean, this was also t- 10 years ago, so I'm, it's, it's all digital now. You're, everyone's pitching on a monitor, but we would pin, right. we'd pin up the thumbnails. That's another thing about the interesting thing about that this time period was the kind of changeover. People were still doing some kind of analog, hand-drawn stuff. And now I feel like it's much more all yeah. digital. 
Well, I think they were trying to do digital, and then Penn was like, fuck it. Like, everyone just do post-its and yeah. paper. Yeah. And because it's it's kind of nice when you pin it up, because you're kind of looking at it, and you're kind of, you know where the act breaks are, and you it's kind of, uh, you're, you're seeing it as a whole, and you can sit there and like, okay, I'm going to tackle this point, and like, you know, I'm going to like do some new drawings and pin them up and see how it's working. Yeah, it's really, I mean, I only had a limited time, you know, doing the, the storyboards on Flapjack, but there's something really fun about pinning it up and filling the whole room with it and then going through and walking through the board literally and yeah. pitching it. That's yeah. really fun. And there's also, there's the digital, like pitching digitally on a monitor though is great too because you're, yeah. going, you're going panel by panel. You can sort of like sell some jokes better by just toggling between frames and yeah. like... Um, so yeah, it's good. everything's got. I don't want to be like. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about being too anti anything. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so so yeah, your storyboarding. You know, the, the me personally, it's like oh, I have a whole week to do this. If I do, you know, and your your part of the board is like going to be fifty thumbnail pages. So the thumbnail page has like four panels, and your drawings are you know you're not supposed to be like cleaned up with backgrounds. It's supposed to be really like really loose. You're just trying to the thumb. The whole part of the thumbnail is you're pitching it, and you're just seeing if it works. You're gonna you're gonna draw some like really loose drawings, and you're gonna like you just make sure like you know it's all um, uh, making sense and it's clear and it's you know funny and it's working. Um, so you're like, okay, I have five days. I'm gonna like do ten pages a day, and then the first day you kind of just surf the internet. <laughs> like you're like, well, I should. Um, this episode has a whale in it. I'm just going to look at whale videos. Do some research. Do <laughs> yeah, some yeah. Research. You're like, I'm going to do some research. I'm going to go take a, I'm going to take a nap because <laughs> I should be, when I wake up, I'll, I'll start working. And then usually you, the first day you don't do anything. And then you're like, okay, I have four days. So I could do 12 pages a day. And then it's like, suddenly it's Wednesday and you're like, okay, I got to do 15 pages a day. And then it gets to be like Friday and you're like, you say to the line producer, Hey, can I pitch on Monday instead of Friday? And they're like, sure. <laughs> so then I would just, I would usually, I'd, I'd get a lot of work done at home. Um, and you know, yeah, everyone works differently. Um, but I, I'm a procrastinator. So I would, I would definitely like go on long walks and I'd like, tr like think about it. And, um, I'd sometimes I'd work out of a sketchbook. Like I would just kind of like, do do drawings uh and and write down jokes in a sketchbook and be like okay i got a lot done today and then um yeah uh but then like some like sambalai like the night before a pitch i'd get a text for if i was partnered with him the night before a tech uh before a pitch i'd get a text from him that'd be like what does princess bubblegum's laboratory look like <laughs> it's like that's the first beat of his part of the outline and i'm like he hasn't even started you know and he would just he would stay up all night and do it all in one night and his stuff was ge you know his stuff was so great. yeah yeah um so yeah shout out, so, shout out sambalai ziaphon one yeah. of my personal favorite people alive on this planet yeah um yeah i was i got to board with him for like two seasons yeah who were all your board partners on on uh, on uh season one was nikki nikki yang yeah season two is sambalai season three is sambalai wait let's let's look at the wiki Check out the internet. Let's cross-reference uh, these. Well, season four, I became head of story. Mm -hmm. And I started doing a couple boards a season. Mm -hmm. Like, just kind of filling in. So I board, I got to board with, like, uh, uh, Cole and um, Graham a couple times. And I boarded with Penn a few times. 
Wow, that's fun. What's it like to do a board with Penn? Uh, it was good. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's weird. Sometimes your board partner, you you really collaborate and you kind of like uh, you know pitch ideas to each other, and sometimes you just kind of go off and you each do your own thing and you come together and just like work on the you know the transition. But yeah, I mean, it was great to board with Penn because you're just like, ah, oh, this is like he's the creator. Yeah. So, um. But um. Yeah. Wait. What was the question? It was. It was. What was the day to day life oh, yeah, of a storyboard artist, and how long did it take to accomplish everything? Yeah. Yeah. So you have two weeks to do. You do thumbnails in a week. You do a pitch, and then you get some notes, and then you do a second pass of the thumbnails, and then you get um another round of notes, usually more technical stuff, and then you have two weeks to do cleanup. So uh, you'd have like four weeks, and then you know I think in the later seasons they started giving the board artists like five weeks to do. So you'd have right three weeks to do cleanup or mm-hmm. um and uh yeah i mean it's a lot of you know you're, you're sitting there it's a board driven show so the whole idea is you're supposed to be sitting there drawing and like like figuring it out as you know you you know you're, you're not like looking at a script you're looking at an outline so it doesn't have a lot of dialogue. yeah what's the yeah just just elaborate on the difference of a board driven show versus a script driven show sure so script driven show like simpsons it's all written and so the board artists are just drawing specifically what's written in the script. Like, like literally all the dialogue is written out. Every scene is written out. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're a technician kind of drawing what's written. Yeah, yeah. And and on a bench time, it's outline. It's, you know, and so you get an outline. It just says, this happens. Beat two, this happens. Beat three, this happens. Beat four, this happens. And so you're sitting there and you have to figure out, okay, well, what does the shot, you know, what's the, the composition going to be? Um, you know, yeah, what's the, all the dialogue? What are the jokes? Like, sometimes it's just like, they'll say, they get into an argument until one of them storms out of the room. So you have to figure out, like, all that, you know, dialogue. And um, uh, and you're, you're just, like, imagining visually, like, what it's going to look like. And um, a lot of times, too, you're just coming up with completely new, you're kind of throwing the outline in the trash and coming up with something that works better. And um, So, yeah, it's 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 uh it's it's half you're you're half you're an artist but you're also writing it's a kind of like you need those two skills to be a storyboarder on a board driven show yeah you get the writing credit on do you get the writing credit on script driven shows as well as a storyboarder or just on board i don't think so okay i've never worked on a script driven show right i've only worked on board driven that's interesting and was there a board artist that you had the best collaborative relationship with uh, I think John and Fantino, but not on Avenge Time. Okay. <laughs> we, we, we worked we worked on uh, Camp Lazlo together. Uh huh. But we we shared an office, and we would just we would constantly you know we draw a sequence and pitch it, and we'd give each other like ideas, and if yeah, that felt very collaborative. Yeah. Um, but like Sanvali, we were just I'd be you know. I I would go to the bathroom and I'd come back and there'd just be a post-it on my desk that's like I went home because the office smells like farts. <laughs> classic so like, I, yeah i wouldn't see him for like the whole like you know I, I would see what he did like the day we pitched it yeah yeah um and i think that's kind of how i i work too like i just take my section just kind of go off yeah um but i know like some board teams would sort of um you know leapfrog they would kind of do beat by you know beat after you know they would they would instead of dividing it in half they would kind of you do the first beat all the second beat. Mm-hmm. um but uh, 
Yeah, it's a it's a very like you you really have to like it, it's hard because you sp- you spend those two weeks thumbnailing just sort of like all you're doing is thinking about the story and thinking about you know what can work and you're constantly like like writing and rewriting and trying to get the drawing right and trying to get you know and um, and then you have a couple weeks to clean it up which is very technical but it's it, that's also very uh, grueling. And then you sort of like turn it in at the last minute and then the very next day you get your next handout and you have to like do it again. So it's, it's, it's easy to get burned out. Yeah. And um, have you experienced burnout on shows? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it's nice because in between seasons you get hiatuses and right. you know, so that's you, like a natural, that's a good, the good part of the natural rhythm of hiatuses. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're kind of like, you love it. And then a, a month or two goes by and you're like, I, I what I should be doing something and I'm running out of money and, and the show gets picked up and you're like, Oh, I'm back at work and there's air conditioning and coffee and <laughs> I can poop at work and save on toilet paper. It's a big concern. It's the best. Yeah. That's the worst thing about moving to Vermont and working from home. I have so to pay good. for my own toilet paper and pay for my own coffee. You should make Cartoon Network comp your toilet I know. paper. <laughs> I would be not Paying for all this toilet paper if I was that should be a write off. The toilet paper that you yeah. use yeah. well that's a deep cut right. tax write off right. is toilet paper Office while expense. you're while you're working and yeah. pooping. Boom. Yeah. I yeah, I used to love pooping at work. Yeah. It's the best. <laughs> like I'm getting paid right now. Getting paid to poop. I went into the I Accidentally went in the women's room on my first day at Cartoon Network uh-huh. and sat down in the stall. Yeah. And then someone else came in and went in the other stall. Then I heard high heels and I was like, high heels? And I'm like, I'm in the women's room. And then the, it was Meriwether. She was in the other stall and she recognized my shoes and she went, Kent? And then the woman was like, there's a man in here. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, went the, I didn't know. I went the room. There's a man in the women's restroom. Yeah. Well, now that's progressive, though. You know, it's like transcending the gender. Right. Uh, well, you, know, at, you were ahead of your time. Well, on Allie McBeal, they had <laughs> they had the genderless restrooms. Yeah. I was you right were a at, pioneer. You yeah. were a, you're a civil rights pioneer. That's right. Or a gender rights pioneer. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you get that down. <laughs> Paul <laughs> Thomas. What's that down, Paul Thomas? All right. Question three. As Paul Thomas, this is what this is what I imagine his voice would be like. Because I'm looking, he looks like a young man. Oh wait, that's his picture. I didn't. Yeah, that's his picture. Okay. So this might change how you think about. No, I don't think it can. You can't. Oh, there you go. You can. Mm. Right now you're zooming in. Very blurry. Wait, that's you. That's me. That's the day I got married. That's my wedding photo. Wow. Look like Chuck Norris. All right. I was there. <laughs> yeah, you were there at my yeah. wedding. As was Penn and most of the Adventure Time crew. That was amazing. That was one of my favorite favorite days was obviously getting married is a is a special thing, but that's one of the most I never ever in my life would have thought that I would get married in LA. That's probably the last thing I would have ever thought, <laughs> you know, growing up. But the fact that I got married out there and then the whole Adventure Time crew was there and it was such a fun day in just our backyard in North Hollywood. That was I remember you had a screen. Everyone was playing Nintendo. Yeah, we had. Yeah, at my wedding, I got married in a jumpsuit that said Bandit on the back. 
and we were projecting Top Gun uh, without sound yeah. on the side of the house, but then the sound was an 80s soundtrack that I had, you know, put in. I had gotten all these great 80s, 80s uh, you know, songs that I loved, and I had put it in a shuffle playlist for the wedding. And, uh, and so we watched, the, and a lot of it was the Top Gun soundtrack. So we watched Top Gun... You know, it was projecting on with the with the lots of Top Gunish music going on, and then we switched from that to playing Nintendo yeah. uh, on the on the side of the house. So that was a pretty rockin'. That was a. I think our wedding cost about three hundred dollars. <laughs> it was one of the greatest times of my life. Like, you know, and it was legendary. I mean, all the people that were there it was star studded, yeah. superstar studded. You know, creative heavyweights. So. You know, I couldn't have asked for anything more. It was Rebecca fantastic. Were there. I, remember, I remember that Nintendo came out and everyone there was like a pot, and then Ian was like, "I'll play." Yeah, <laughs> like he was yeah, like yeah, yeah. Rebecca yeah. Sugar was there. Ian was there. I mean, it was a who's who. Um, <laughs> it was a who's who. You know, that was great. That was fantastic. All right, so this is what I'll I'll imagine Paul Thomas's voice sounding like. Yeah. I'm interested in season three and four as they are often considered among the show's best seasons. I was wondering if you had any insight why these seasons might have clicked with so many viewers. What was it like working on those seasons? Wait, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) I'm a character actor. I get very deep in. I'm a method actor. Um, Well... That's a great question, and I, as I said earlier, I what I you I was in the writers' room for season three, and I became head of story, season four. Wow! So, so that's that's really the real answer here is Kent got in the writers' room at that time period. Boom! Yeah, the best seasons of the show. No, I think I mean like I said in your podcast, like season one, every episode from season one is such a gem. It's such a perfect. Like, there's so like the, my favorite moments from Adventure Time, like. It's kind of like when people say, oh, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? And like the first Star Wars movie is the best because mm. it's the first one. Yeah. Even though Empire Strikes Back, right. story-wise. Because it broke all that ground. Yeah, it's like you wouldn't have any, you you got to pay respect to the. Yeah. But so I, but that first season, like there's just so many, I mean, come on. They're pillars of the show, right? right? They're they're so stand they're more standalone. Season three is standing on the shoulders of season one. Yeah. On the shoulders of giants from season one. Yeah. But I will say that it you know, season three, I remember we, we had a meeting. It was Kelly and Penn and Pat and 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 me, and we were talking about the writers' room and they were like, you know, they had said, Well, the the execs like whatever we want to do in the writer's room, we have to keep in mind that they're just now starting to leave us alone. So if we change anything too much, they might start like coming, you know, inspect, you know, like inspecting us more. And so there there was like a sense that we were on the air. It was, it was doing well. They were kind of like, okay, you guys are off and running. And like, we had, you know, one executive who was, you know, keeping an eye on us, but there, there wasn't the, the sort of close up, uh, chaperoning that was had gone on in season one and two. For, yeah, we had proved something for better or for worse. Yeah, yeah and so I, I really think that like that's when Penn was able to like really, and also you know that's when like 
you know, every, it was just, we were like hitting our stride and like Tom Herpick and Jesse Moynihan and, and Akko and like, um, I don't know, like that's when suddenly all this like world building started, like, you know, Adam and Rebecca's episodes, like every, everyone was like trying to outdo each other and like, and, 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 um, wait, I'm looking at, yeah, like there was just so much. Do you think the world building was there from the beginning or was there a time where it kind of shifted into these larger arcs? I mean, I remember the, I, I think of the Lich stuff as being the first real world building stuff, like the, the real, like the real mythology stuff. But what, you know, in, from the writer's perspective, like where did it go from being kind of a one-off thing, trying to get its legs to something that was building these grand arcs? Yeah, I think it happened very organically and, and, naturally and it wasn't you know like when Penn made the pilot he was just kind of making fun of like D&D and video games and you know fantasy genre and and when he when they were like oh we want to develop this into a show I remember on Flapjack he was like oh I have to they want me to make a bible I have to like start I have to like start explaining what this is and that's when you know he was like I don't want to like ruin this so it's like I think he wanted to he wanted it to evolve naturally and so, you know, season three and season four, that's when we were starting to like, okay, like, what, what are we going to write? You know, the writer's rooms, it would be like, okay, we've done the jealousy episode. We've done the, you know, there's all these like kind of episodes you do in the first season or second season. And season three, it was like, okay, like, what, what should we do? And Penn said once, you know, it was like, uh, he's, he's playing D&D. Like, he's like, we just have all these characters and you roll the dice. And you're like, okay, they go in here and now what happens? And so we would do things like we'd write all the characters' names down on pieces of paper and put them in a hat. And then you would like pick two out and you'd be like, oh, Finn and LSP. And then you would like, you would have five minutes. Everyone would have to write down a Finn and LSP story. And you would just like blurt it out and not worry about whether or not it was good. And that was just a way to like try to, you know, you know, get an idea or like see if there's anything there. And so I, th I think like, I don't know, like, Holly Jolly Secrets was season three, and originally Penn wanted to do, uh, he wanted Finn and Jake to be watching these Christmas specials that, like, Pat had found, like, these, like, weird YouTube videos of, like, there was, like, a Swedish Christmas special, it was all in black and white with puppets, and there was, like, a uh, 1980s uh, special about computer games, like, a Christmas edition, and, like, so it was gonna be, like, Finn and Jake watching these, like, old videotapes, and it was going to be like mystery science theater they were going to be like making jokes and then we boarded that all out and it kind of didn't wasn't working and then we started like writing a different story and that's when the whole like ice king backstory came out and came out of that like it, it, it wasn't like planned it wasn't like pen at the beginning of adventure time was like i have this character ice king and he's gonna have this crazy backstory of of you know this tragic character and you know it was it was sort of like you know, he was, it was just taking a, a, a trope or something, like a funny villain character. And then, you know, I think out of necessity, we were just like, oh, well, like, what's the, you know, what's the deal with him? Or like, where did he come from? Or like, who is he? And why do you think it was able to push in a way that was so unique and, 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 against the cliches because i think it, the setup for adventure time when you watch the pilot it is kind of fun and lighthearted, and it is almost more archetypal and then 
it, what it ended up as was something so much deeper. Like, so you're talking about one of those kind of moments where it started to go into that deep water. Yeah. And I think it, yeah, I think it's the people that are working on it. And when it's a board driven show, it's the, it's the storyboarders, like a lot of it. Like, cause in the writer's room, you're just, you're trying to write a story a week. Like you're just like, okay, we have one week to like write an outline and get it approved so that we can hand it out to the storyboard team. And so like, there's an episode too young where PB like, that, that's how we like ended season two where she like becomes 13 and she's the same age as Finn. And it's like this big moment, like, Oh my God, like Finn has this crush on her. And like, now they're the same age. And like, and then I remember season three, we're like, we had written a few episodes and we we're like, well, what are we going to do with like Princess Bubblegum's like 13? What are we going to do? And I had, I think I'd, I had just watched like uh, Lord of the Rings and, or no, 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 I was watching Game of Thrones. And the idea of a, of, a, of a child being, like, too young to rule, so there's, like, someone ruling in their place. I was like, oh, we should do something like a like an uncle shows up or something. And, and uh, but it wasn't, in the outline, it wasn't Lemon Grab. Like, it was, or it, it, it wasn't, like, someone she had made. And so, like, that all came out of the storyboard uh, uh, process. So it's, like, the, like, um, uh, <laughs> uh, Tom and Jesse got this outline and then they're like, okay, well, like, like they're taking parts of it. Like this is the structure of the story. And then like Jesse's drawing like a, you know, like weird design of lemon grab or like Tom's drawing like the horse or whatever. Like, I don't know who drew what, but yeah. like when they pitched it, it was like way different than the outline. Like it would, it had like turned into something uh, really uh, unique and, and, uh, like where the outline just kind of like, oh, this is like a story I've seen before. This is like a, a younger character being usurped by a family member, you know, and it's like, but they like turned it into this like weird thing that then led to so many other stories of like who Lemon Grab is and, you know, Lemon Hope and all these like other, like it was, it's, it's so it's great to be working on something that's like evolving like that. Like it feels really feels easy to come into the writer's room where you're like okay now what like you're not trying to do the same yeah, thing. yeah i feel like there was like a wealth there was like a bounty of of like like our cup overfloweth with creativity on that show like everybody was coming at it with so much of their own stuff to give that everybody was able to take those pieces and keep developing it and keep enriching it and i think that's what was the, one of the things that made adventure time so special and it's so funny to think that if you spin it and there's alternate worlds and, and different people are in it and, and it kind of doesn't go that way. And some shows fizzle out after a couple seasons and then some shows get to go 10 seasons. And that's kind of the difference, right? Is like how, how, how potent, how, how, how primed up are, is everybody working on it and how all those interactions work together to make all these incredible discoveries together. Yeah. And it's, it's hard too, because like, I'm working on it and I'm a fan of it. So basically anything I'm writing is fan fiction by definition. Like, cause I'm like, I love this. And yeah. um, but when you write fan fiction, like just put the, you know, anyone who, you know, views it or reads it or like sees it is like, they're, they're viewing it through this like lens of like, Oh, this is fan fiction. So it's like, I don't know. It's easier to be critical of it or something. Or... Also, I have a message for Paul Thomas. <laughs> So any, he's, he's the third character. In anything series. I say during this podcast, I it, and it may sound like I'm saying it with authority, but it's true. But just fa please fact check anything because now I'm thinking when I was talking about Lemon Grab, I think I said Tom designed Lemon Grab, but I think Jesse designed Lemon, and then I said Jesse designed the horse, but I think Tom designed the horse.
Oh, it might be the reverse. And now I'm saying, now that I'm saying that, I'm now I'm worried that I didn't, I got it right the first time. Wow. Now I'm co- correcting something that yeah, didn't happen. Deep fact check this, Paul Thomas. Yes, yeah, that's you, all. This I'm is saying. on you. This is your ass. Yeah. This is just a, we're just a couple of guys drinking whiskey and smoking weed on this interview. You got to fact check this shit to go in your book, right? Buddy. Yeah. Just do do your job. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so was that the? Uh, that was the that was the complete answer to which question? That was the third question, I believe. Oh, that's we're only like question three. <laughs> and you thought this was going to be over yeah. in fifteen minutes? You're already forty minutes oh, in, Jesus. buddy. You're doing you're taking longer than me. Good lord! <laughs> this is well. This is why you don't want to do interviews because it's so easy to start just babbling. No, uh, this is perfect. No, also, I'm like about... I'm saying things too. Where I'm like, and then. Like I'm, t- I'm, and I'm as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, I'm totally performing right now. Like, but then there's an episode called, perhaps you've heard of it. But think about this though, all the wonderful fans who love to hear just people talk about this stuff. I mean, you know, we we get we get tired of hearing ourselves talk about this stuff. Right. But you know, the you know, if you love something. You know, if it's Wes Anderson or David Lynch or or some one of you, one of the people that you really love, you know, their creativity, and you're just you're hearing them think something that we might say might be as a silly thing that we're not thinking about, but it might really click with somebody. Right, you know, right. And it might but I, really but I want it to spark be real. Somebody. Like people yeah. want to hear something real. Yeah. And I'm like the way I'm talking about it is because you like the reality is you <laughs> Gmail me earlier. Like here are the questions, and then I've been thinking about it all day, and now I'm like trying to I'm like. Pete Buttigieg. I'm, I'm trying to like say it as if I'm saying it for the first time. Well, just say it however you want to say it. I'm the Mayor Pete of Adventure Time. Just say it however you want to say it. I'm trying. <laughs> oh, man. Classic. All right. So, question four. Uh, from your perspective, how did the behind the scenes action change from the early days to the final season? Was there any major change in production when Adam became showrunner due to reshuffling, etc.? Well, you know, it's interesting because as I sit here, <laughs> um, the behind the scenes action changed from early days. Well, it's funny because the show lasted 10 years almost. So long. It's crazy. Yeah. And it was like the first, it's the longest I've ever been on a show. Mm hmm. By far, mm-hmm. like by, I think the longest I've been on a show is like two, three years. Or, wow. Um. So it's yeah, it's hard to it's just like when you see a picture of yourself from ten years ago and you're like you can see all the difference, but um at the time you don't notice it. But I think what uh, you know Adam taking over wasn't was a r- real smooth transition because he was such a big part of the show from the beginning, and you know his boards with Rebecca, like they had a lot, that had a lot of world building. Yeah. And then he's, you know, Penn was kind of, you know, Penn just, he worked, he was just, he was at Cartoon Network like all the time. He was always working on it. And he was just like, uh, it, it, I don't know. I think that takes a toll. And so after like four years or four seasons, you know, he, I think he was just like, okay, I've, I've done everything I wanted to do with this. Like, I want to go do other things. I want to, like, design video games or, or VR or make another show or do... You know, he, he wanted... He's, he's got to be creating something new. And 
I think when you're, you know, you're on the fourth year of a show, you're like, oh, now it's a job. Like, I'm mm-hmm. just like, I'm sort of overseeing, I'm in meetings, I'm telling people what to, you know, and you're just kind of, but you're not, you're, you're not uh, scratching that creative itch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that was like, uh, whatever, he, you know, a long time coming. Like, he was already thinking about, it. it's not like he abruptly one day was like, I'm out of here. Right. You know, he was, like, he kind of transitioned um, like Adam kind of took over as showrunner, but Penn was still in the office every day and he was still in the writer's room and he was still like for, for a few seasons. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it was pretty smooth transition. Cause a huge part of the showrunner's responsibilities are like meetings and emails and yeah. And you're just the final say on everything. Right. So it's like, before, it's a lot of management before a storyboard gets taken from the storyboard team and handed over to the you know art department. Like you have to sort of sign off on everything. And mm-hmm. So yeah, you're just like, and animation, you know, the schedule is, is, is staggered. So you're working on, you know, any given day you could be work, you could be checking in on 10 different episodes. Yeah. And, uh, so you're, yeah, you're delegating, but you're also, you're the, you're the final say on everything. So yeah, it's, it's very, a weird, crazy, specific responsibility yeah, and an incredible very, amount of information and work and, and yeah, like yeah. the bandwidth for that very specific kind of corporate communication. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge job. Yeah, it's and it's weird to think of if someone else took over instead of Adam, it would have been a it would have it would have been a right because Adam was there from the beginning and he was really like the third horseman. I mean, yeah. they were they were kind of like you know kind of all all doing this thing together, and because I remember when I came on, I got a I got a bunch of handouts from Adam that were these I've talked about them before, but they were just like idea packets, and he's like a genius. I mean, the amount of ideas he had and information that he gave me in there, yeah. he had designed a lot of his take on a lot of the designs of the world before I came in, and and his stuff was all incredible. And I was like, wow, why isn't he just like doing this stuff? But yeah. like that wasn't his thing. But but you know, yeah, it was it was it was incredible. But do you, do you, do you think there was... I have a funny Adam story. Okay, yeah, So this was when it was him and Penn and Pat, and they were, this was before, this is when the show was being developed. Yeah. And I was in on a Saturday working on Flapjack, because I was like behind. So -hmm. I was like, I'm going to go in and use the, I'm going to go poop at work. (laughs) But it was a Saturday, so no one was in the studio. But they were, they were in the, they were on the second floor. And I knew, I think I knew that they were there, but like no one else was there. Anyways, the point is I went into the bathroom um, and I was like peeing and I was like washing my hands and I was looking at myself in the mirror. Sorry, I'm just cracking my (laughs) knuckles here. Are you doing that instead of biting your nails? I don't know, maybe. Um, (laughs) Excuse me. Okay. So, all right. I was in the bathroom. (laughs) It's a Saturday. There's no one in the studio except for a couple other people, one of whom I've never met. Adam Muto. And I'm in the bathroom and I'm washing my hands. And then before I leave, I'm like drying my hands and I'm looking at myself and I'm like, mm, like checking myself out. And then I like lift my shirt up to like look at my, I was like, I wonder how my man boobs are looking. <laughs> uh, and so I like lift my shirt and then I'm looking at my man boobs. And then Adam walked in, which I was like, it's startled. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. So You're yeah. like caught looking at your own chest yeah. in the mirror, which well, is Well, he hilarious. just saw me like, yeah. like folding it down. Right. And, being flustered and, right you know i'm sure it was startling to him um yeah 
That's when I, I mean, I, I think I'd met him. I don't know if I'd officially met him. I think that was the first and time. It's kind of funny because he's like a very like quiet, reserved kind of character. Right. He's like, not the type of person to be like, He's ah. not going to break out and kind of yeah. chum chum it with you. Like, right. You know, nice awesome. titties, guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. You would have been like, yeah. what are you doing? Checking out your man boobs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Now, did you notice... Uh, or, or not, Paul, you, you don't have to put that in the book. Paul, be, Paul, get real, Paul. But anyway, did you, did you, did, maybe as a post credit, <laughs> as a footnote, as post- a footnote, as a as a hilarious anecdote, as a as a caveat, post credit sequence. Um, yeah. Uh, what would you say are the differences? Because Penn was a great creative leader and i think adam is also a great creative leader i think they have different leadership styles do you have anything to speak about their kind of kind of the the tone the tone change or was there a, was there a difference or you know what what are the what what was your experience with the two different kinds of leadership hmm. yeah i'm trying to think because to me to from that from it from from an outsider's perspective um, I felt like Penn was really good at putting the right people in place and then just letting them go wild. I mean, I don't think I ever basically had any corrective notes from Penn. He just loved everything that came out. He, he, he you know, and with Adam, he's, yeah. he has much more of a very specific thing he's looking for and he's going to ask you to make changes on that and he's going to try to get that out of you. You know, and that's, that's very that's different. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah, because I think Penn's like very, like you pitch an idea and he's like, ah, yeah. Right. Or he's like, ah, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think Adam, yeah, like you pitch an idea and he's like, hmm. And then we all like talk about it. And then he's like, all right, we'll do a pass. And then you do a pass. And then, the, you know, the next day there's all these like really specific notes and mm-hmm. you're going through them and they're like, the notes are like really thoughtful and clear and specific. Like, mm-hmm we should like make it more like that or do this or like have it be this instead of that, you know, and you're like, Oh yeah, that works better. And so, yeah, there's like a, there's a technical side to Adam that I think where pens like more in the moment. And just like, if you, if he thinks something's funny, he's like, or works, he's like, yeah, do that. And I don't know. Does that make, is that? Yeah. I'm trying to think of like specific, Something specific, like in um, the Simon and Marcy, where they're it's like the road. It's in the past, and they're they're like surviving. Mm-hmm. And the and we yeah we had this bit where like he's holding up the TV and pretending to be on a TV show, and then yeah they were like well, what? I was like oh it could be he could sing the song from you know uh, the theme from Cheers, and I think I was like joking, like I was making a joke, like isn't that a bad idea? And Pat was like yeah he sings the song from Cheers, you know. Which then turned into this like really like like poignant thing about like Simon and who, like how he he was losing his mind and like couldn't like I don't know it was uh, um, but anyways but yeah it was like like I was just, like surprised when Penn was like I was like yeah that's like you you pitch something that you don't even think is like a real uh, like I was. <laughs> Please cut <laughs> all this. I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Well, I think it because there's two kinds. I think they're both, in my opinion, they're both 
absolute creative heavyweights and one you know kind of whimsically likes to you know appreciate what other people are bringing to the table and the other person has a laser focus of what the what the end vision of yeah. something is and and one person is is kind of allowing people to do their thing and one person is demanding excellence from a group of people and 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 both things are equally captivating and motivating and 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 I think both guys are you know equal in in creative genius stature so that's the that's the really interesting part about it but well, I, and I it's it's weird to compare them too because like right. they're both working on it at the same time they sort of overlapped each other and right. I feel like, I feel like Penn was like was like happy he felt fine leaving because he knew Adam was taking it over and right. Adam was going to continue that world building right and like a, th- a thing we'd like talked about in the like early on like when Penn was still there was like the and, and Pat too like the idea that like Finn came from an island and like there were other humans and you know and so I feel like handing it over to Adam and then Adam's able to like figure out like he came in at the beginning of that season and like it was like he shared with us like a article about transhumanism and he's like this is what i want this to be about and like yeah. he, he had this like vision like for where it was going to go and like what you know themes we we're gonna like tackle and stuff so. yeah yeah because that's like like there's one person that's like hey let's all come together and make this thing and let's see what it's going to be and then there's one thing almost like a wes anderson where you're like i see exactly what this has got to be and I know you guys are the right people to do it, and I'm gonna lead you into doing it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a yeah. it's a very distinctly different, but they're both amazingly. Well, it's this it's this weird like like uh, evolved version of uh, collaboration. Yeah, it's just like yeah, we're gonna work on this thing all with together, and you're gonna work on one part, and you're gonna work on another part. Yeah, but it's it's yeah. Yeah, and some people. I think like working for the person that lets them do anything. And then some people don't like to work for the guy that is going to ask for more corrections. But then some people like that, that grand specific vision and being honed in and being dialed in and being asked more of, you know, and being challenged to step up and, Hey, this is what exactly we're looking for. Can you meet that? Can you bring that? So that's, I feel like those are two, those are the kind of two, versions of creative visionaries and it's very interesting that adventure time was started with one ethos and then and then kind of led to its conclusion by the other side of that ethos Mm. i think that's a very interesting part of the Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. part of the 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 creative evolution of the show Mm -hmm. agreed yeah let's keep it moving (laughs) all right all right where are we at all right question five paul thomas please i will if if you could just <laughs> remove all the likes and us, I say. Like, I'm sure you won't write this verbatim. The, the nightmare. This would be a book in its own. Just make me sound smart. Please make me sound smart. This is my legacy. I'll give you one of my Emmys. Oh my if you... God. Please. Oh, please, Paul Thomas. Okay. Question five. One thing I'm interested in is the production of the show's miniseries. How did Stakes, Islands... And elements come about. I'm particularly interested in the latter two, which would be islands and elements, as not a lot has been said about them production-wise. All right, boom, islands. I already talked about. Done. Okay. Elements off the list. Totally my idea. I was like, well, what's going on in Ooh? Well, they're doing islands. Um, 
Is that true? You were like, hey. As far as I remember it. Yeah. <laughs> Ken's idea. Bam. Um, yeah. Early on, I was like, there should just be like an epic, like they're all battling each other. Everyone's fighting each other. And it's like you get to see the extent of everyone's powers like like coming together. Um, but whatever. It was a collaborative effort. It was a team effort. It was a lot of talented people. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. It goes without saying. You can toot your own horn. You can sell yourself. You can. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is your interview. Everybody else has their own interview in this book. Everybody else might be tooting their own heart so tooting their horns horns so hard. Really. You know. Think about that. I mean, <laughs> if everybody is really selling themselves, what if multiple people in this book have already claimed that Elements was their idea? That's fucking bullshit. You know. And you know what? There's That's a lot of people saying. that say, "Oh, Ken Osborne was in the right place at the right time." And that's his only... I contributed. There's a lot of... <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Sell it. Go. Go. Um, You've got to be chippy. you got to take yours in this interview. Man, you know? Yeah, I'm just... I'm kidding. <laughs> I gotta, I'm fine. We're all going to die of coronavirus. It's all fine. So, islands and elements. Yeah. There, I mean, well, we did stakes. And I think stakes came... You know, there were... Stakes was the first miniseries. Yeah, yeah. So what was the idea? What was the idea of creating the miniseries? What was the first kind of talks about? To be about honest, that? TBH, it was the, the exact executives were like that that's when I think they were looking for creative ways to sort of market the show and they were mm -hmm. sort of looking for like special they'd be like, "Oh, we like we're doing it there's a princess day coming up next year. Like, do you, can you do an episode like they're asking all the shows to do like themed episodes to like it was it was I think it was a way to sort of navigate the the like people leaving terrestrial cable mm -hmm. and starting to watch things streaming or starting to watch things like on DVDs or you know and so they were having a hard time and so they like they pitched I think they pitched us like we want to do like a you know four parter or eight parter or six parter and I think we'd already tried to do like a four parter before that like we'd written tried to write like uh, a movie. Um, which later got cannibalized into different episodes, but um, but uh, but anyway, but I think the executives were like, we want a like a, a parter, or <laughs> and at that point we had been, you know, kind of doing these episodes with like Simon and Marcy and like Young Bubblegum and sort of like you know, uh, going back, you know, five hundred years or a thousand years, and. So, and there'd been all these sort of like questions raised about Marceline and her past and like what happened after, you know, what happened after, you know, Simon kind of like abandoned her or left her, you know, and, uh, and so I feel like by the time stakes came, you know, we were sort of like saving all that, like, like we, everyone had like thoughts about it. So, uh, that's how that came about. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was fun too, because up until then we'd only written, I mean, the, you know, most we'd written is like two parters or. Wait, what was the idea about the story about the movie at that point? What were the uh, what was the story of, about the movie that got cannibalized? Oh, different parts of the. Um, well, there was because uh, there was talk about doing a movie at that point. We boarded like a four parter, but it like kind of fell apart at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, okay. 
I haven't worked on a show in so long. And what was the what? Do you remember what that what the arc of well, that? like all with like Orgolor, like like Gunter turning in, like being an evil creature, mm-hmm. like that was from the movie, and um, uh, the whole opening was like ended up being um when like uh episode <laughs> with uh Maja and uh like with the the pyramid and like root beer guy died like that that was all like from the movie like that mm-hmm. was like stuff that. Jesse had boarded for the movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'd like, we'd done the movie and like, we just, we decided to scrap it. And it was going to be like a TV movie on Cartoon Network. Yeah. Or who knows? It was going to be four episodes. They would show in one night or it was going to, you know, it wasn't going to be like in the theaters. Right. right. But at that point they were also like, Oh, we want to do a Broadway show. And they, we want to do like, there were all these like, like a lot of different things going on. Yeah. Um, God, it's crazy how much of it I can't remember. Like it really, it, it was, uh, it was such a, it was such a, uh, I don't know. It's weird. It feels like it's so long ago. Yeah. Well, it was in some ways. But do you ever, yeah, you, know, you do that where you're like, oh, the, that movie, like, it's complicated. Like, that's a recent movie. Yeah. And then you're like, no, that movie's like 10 years ago. 11, <laughs> yeah. 11 years ago. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the older you get, the more your mind gets filled with information and it pushes out information and it's like hard to keep track of it all. I don't know. And, and plus, you know, maybe we do things that aren't good for our brain and <laughs> get brain damage. And... Maybe. But I like, I hang out with like friends I haven't seen in a long time and they'll, they'll start telling me things they remember where I'm like, oh my God, like I barely remember that night. Yeah. But then I can tell them things that I remember about that, that they don't like vice yeah. versa. So. Yeah. But um, yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. The, yeah, stakes and all all those like that just kind of came out. Of, it came out kind of organically. So, any other thoughts about islands or elements specifically? Mm, not that I can think of. Okay. Like, like in terms of how did it come about? I don't know. He said he was particularly interested in the latter two, uh, uh, and not a lot about not a lot about them has been said production wise. I mean, it's weird because Susan Strong, uh, we were playing a writer's game once and someone drew Susan Strong as like a, like with like a cyborg, like with like all these like robotic body parts. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it didn't go anywhere. But then it ended up, you know, becoming, we kind of brought that back. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and Islands is an epic one. I mean, that's really, you know, part of Finn's origin story. and Yeah. Meeting his mom. Yeah. Seeing how his dad met his mom. Yeah. In the hospital. Like we're all going to be in a couple <laughs> months. Just kidding. Paul Thomas, cut that out. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, uh, islands and elements, like a lot of that's just Adam like, at that point. Yeah. What do you mean? Like he had a lot of the vision for these? Yeah, yeah. So uh, talk to him. Yeah. Paul, send that one to Adam. We'll also interview Adam. Paul, get him. We'll, we'll interview Paul, Adam. Paul, get him. Adam to Vermont, and then <laughs> yeah. we'll do a podcast. Yeah. We'll ask him anything. All right, question six. How did production of the miniseries differ from the norm? So was there a difference in how the miniseries were approached than just a regular episode? The miniseries... But just air, or I mean, the, the any the of new? these miniseries that we were just talking about, stakes. Oh, stakes. Yeah. 
Uh, is there a difference in how those are approached and conceived and executed than just regular episodes, non-miniseries? Uh, we might have gotten an extra week to write them. An extra couple weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I don't know. You know, I think there's, I think there's a bigger budget for them. Because I remember they for stakes, they were like, oh, we can like cast, you know. Sometimes you're writing and you're like, oh, we can't write too many characters in this episode because it's too many voice actors. But mm. like with stakes, it was like, oh, we want to like hear who you who you have in mind for certain characters, you know. And, and uh, so I think there was a bigger budget. Mm. But as far as the art department, that's not my, I don't know if there was any differences in terms. But I think it was like bigger budget, more time. Right, right, to, and then and now at a certain point you and also on. like transition like you you have the whole story uh, like that you want to tell but then you're trying to divide it into eight episodes mm-hmm. and so I think look you know that becomes like a, from a writing standpoint you're you know it's a different muscle you're trying to like figure out where these like episodes end and begin because right. you want to end an episode on a little bit of a cliffhanger like so you could watch the next one and right but overall you're trying to tell this story so. Um, but you know, that's, that's a little different than writing standalone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and then at a, at a certain point on the show, you started to take on more responsibility being in charge of the voice records, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what was that? What, what was your, how did your role evolve on the show? Well, I had directed voice, uh, records for Flapjack. Okay. And so, yeah, and then I was story editor on Flapjack. But then when I came on Adventure Time, I was, I was just storyboarding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Penn wanted me in the writer's room, so then I got in the writer's room eventually in the middle of season two. And then I think uh, season three or four, I, I took over directing the voice record sessions. And, um, uh, yeah, and that was just something I had some experience with, and I'd gone to acting school originally before I became a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of I knew a little bit about acting, or you know how to communicate with the actors and stuff. And I'd done voices too. So wait, what was the question? And how- you did a lot of voices. I did on Adventure Time. I well, was- I was just asking about your evolution of wait, the you roles. Were asking? On your- yeah, I was asking. That was no, my follow up. Paul Thomas. <laughs> no, oh, that was, was you. Me. That was me. Oh wow. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Because I because you were saying like we're you're just talking about your role in the show and I was yeah, remembering yeah. that you you know you kind of you you had different you know your well I think your that's why I, that's why I got the credit head of story right because I think in the writers room when I was I was basically just being the story editor with that that's the you know you're just kind of like uh, responsible for generating you know the outlines turning in the outlines and you're just kind of in charge of the you know the room or whatever right um, but because I was also directing the voice uh, records uh i think they offered me this like kind of expanded title which was right. he- head of story which i did i didn't i had never worked on a show with a head of story at that point yeah uh, so but it's a little misleading because it sounds like i've you know sounds like i'm writing the whole show by myself or something right or, you know and everyone's working for me or something but it's not you're just basically just it's you know you're the leader of the writer's room yeah not even no because the showrunner is the leader you're okay. just you're the secretary you're taking minutes okay <laughs> you're everyone's talking you're like you're writing down notes and then you go to your office and you type up an outline yeah and you're just kind of like okay i gotta take everything everyone said and i gotta like 
write it all up and I got to, you know, add to it and make it that it's readable and clear and that executive is going to read it and then approve it. And, you know, it's, you're, it's kind of a, but you know, you're also, you know, you're in the writer's room and you're like brainstorming. And like, That's such an interesting thing. Cause you're, you're actually thinking of, you know, it's a big part of your job maybe to think about, okay, we're doing this creative thing. Let's think about what we want to do. But then you're also thinking, okay, what will the executives be okay with? Yeah. Because from a background artist standpoint, I'm just sitting there being creative. I'm not thinking about anybody's oversight, but you're really right. thinking about oversight. Sure, you're thinking about the, but also you're thinking of the board team that's going to get it. And mm-hmm. You want to make sure that the story's there and that mm-hmm. it's clear and that mm-hmm. it, it makes sense and yeah. that you're not overwriting it and putting in lots of specific details mm-hmm. that's going to like trip them up and mm-hmm. you know make them go spend half a day going, okay, this doesn't work. I want to like right. do something else. Um, but yeah. And I'll say you're doing it. Yeah. You're trying to write an episode a week. So there, there's like a time crunch. Cause like, you know, come Thursday, you're trying to, you know, it's, it's, it's still a mess and the story isn't there. It like becomes very panicky. And how did the Avenger Time Writers Room compare to other writer rooms that you've been in? Because you've been on SpongeBob, you've been on different shows. You know, yeah, what, yeah. how did that compare? Um, well, by the time we got to season four, it was just me, Penn, and Pat, mm-hmm. and that was great. Mm-hmm. And I'd never been in a room that small. It was only three of us. Mm-hmm. Like, and also, how many people are there usually? Uh, SpongeBob, there was five. Okay. Laszlo, there was five. Mm-hmm. Blackjack, there was like. It depended. Uh, Thurp liked all the board artists to be in for right. some of the meetings, and then some of the meetings it was just like four of us. It was mm-hmm. with me, Thurp, Jackie. Shout out Susan Strong, <laughs> Jackie Buscarino, <laughs> and uh, Steve Little. Shout out, yeah, Pepperman Butler, yeah, Pep Butt. Shout out Turtle Frenzy, yeah. Um, shout out Hot Dog Night Number Three, Doctor Barber, Doctor Barber. <laughs> that Deep was my cuts. idea. Deep cuts. Dr. Barber yeah. was your idea? Yeah, yeah, Wow. Because I, I had been reading about how uh, dentists were, or barbers were also like surgeons. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and so I was like, oh, you should have two. Hey, enough about me. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, what? What were we talking about? Yeah, we were just going. You want me to go to the next question? No, no, no. Wait, I was about to say something really interesting. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I'm trying to remember what the last question that I asked you Oh, we're was. the writer's room. So basically, right. okay. So the, How was this, the writer's room different? This is the thing that was yeah. the most different. Okay, mm-hmm. because Pat moved uh, to the East Coast, but he's st- he still got to He was write. the first person to leave, Pat McHale, right? He was the first person of the crew to kind of leave and go somewhere else, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. That was before I left, and right, it was Pat, Ghost Shrimp, mm-hmm. Pat, mm-hmm. and I stayed on till the very end. Yeah, and Tom till the very end. I think no, I think he left. He left before the very end. Did he? Yeah. Shame on you, Tom. We had a going away party. Oh right. I'm wearing the shirt right now. Wow. Or no, wait, but Tom did this shirt. Yeah, <laughs> for the finale shirt. I'm not wearing the egress shirt, but I'm yeah. wearing the finale shirt. Just by random, not for, wow. the, not for the pod. Wow. What am I wearing? I'm wearing a plain gray shirt. Um, Paul Thomas, let me know if you want me to do a little... <laughs> I can send you pictures of me in all the different Adventure Time shirts I own over the years. <coughs> could be good. Could be good for the book. Yeah. 
like for might be good for the book is me and Kent on the cover of the book. Yeah, yeah. Because this transcript for these two podcasts will take up four hundred pages of a book. But here's what I was gonna say. <laughs> so it was me, Pat, and Pat, and then Pat moved to the East Coast, but then he still wrote via Skype mm-hmm. and or whatever video chatting. And uh, but that was the first time I'd ever been in a res room with someone. Someone's participating in the res room. I remember that. I would yeah. come in and it'd be like his face on. The, yeah. Yeah. And I have lots of pictures of that. Yeah. Uh, but that that feel that felt very uh, uh, modern. Yeah. Futuristic. Yeah. Wait, not modern. I mean, whatever. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. It felt like I was like, neo, whoa, neo modern. The future's here. The future yeah. is yeah. And uh, but then after Pat, we hired Jack Pandaris, and he was in Mississippi, so he would. So I feel like Pat, like that, paved the way. That opened the doors for Jack to do the cyber commute. And yeah. now I cyber commute. So yeah. Shout out Pat McHale. Yeah. Well, yeah, I remember like even Pioneer. when I was on Flapjack and I was like trying to kind of sell them on me working from my apartment because I'm like, I'm going to be much more productive at my yeah. apartment. I'm, yeah. I'm super ADHD. Like I'm not good in an office environment. That's not really my thing. Because um, especially on Flapjack, it was a very like jovial, like you know kind of social environment in the studio and uh they were not into it and they were like you cannot work at home you have right. to come in every day and i would ride 10 miles in they? and 10 they miles the, out they, they's the production side yeah no that was what's her name the the what was the name of the producer kelly cruz no 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 no, not on adventure <laughs> time no on pop jack oh pernell yeah pernell right pernell was like but yeah, i'm saying like, it's the production office so the production's right. like well, we all have to be here. Right. They were like, you can't work from home. You have to come in. And I was like, okay, I will. But that's not ideal. And and then once I got an adventure time, they were much more into that. And they were letting me work from my uh, apartment, which was only three miles away or whatever. But I would come in and for, for a day and you know, kind of pick up and drop off and, and hang out with everybody and stuff. And now that's much more commonplace of like people being out of the studio yeah, and yeah. working in. But yeah. yeah, I feel like we were sort of on that, that, that time that we were there was that, was that transition period between things being very much in studio to things being, Hey, we can actually go outside of studio for a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So that's interesting. <laughs> <For now. laughs> yeah. that's a good call I mean, it was in my mind but I couldn't remember it oh, oh man I have so many funny memories of all that stuff <laughs> I remember she wanted me to switch cubes yeah oh and my I, god I remember this and I was <laughs> cause your cube first of all I remember your cube was like you had your 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 cube you know your, your uh, what are they called uh, your cubicle setup, yeah. Yeah. and you had all kinds of toys in there. I was like impressed. Like, wow, it's like set up like someone's room. Like this guy fucking has all his designer Simpsons toys and awesome art toys. And like, it was a real production. Your, your office. It wasn't just like, Hey, I've come here and work. Like yeah. it was like yeah. incredible. Yeah. It was like a show. It was like, you were at a comic convention and this was like a yeah. artist alley. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I was like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think I was trying to get all my toys out of my apartment. Yeah. Because I was... I, it was dope, though. It was I wanted fresh. To, I wanted and you to, even had a... You know, and you, and you even had a keg kegerator in your, right, in your right. second Right, Because I'd been watching Mad Men. Yeah. And I was like, I need to have booze in my office. <laughs> More alcohol in the... 
place. But no, the toys were all because I was like, I'm, I'm tired of not having sex. I want to get all these toys out of my apartment. <laughs> but I but, but I was upset that I was Wait, do you think if you bring a girl back to your house and you have a lot of toys in your house, that's going to mean that they are not want to have sex with you? The amount of toys I had, yeah. Really? I mean, girls told me that. They were like, really? Yeah, they were like, this is weird. Really? Yeah. Wow. Too many toys. Wow, that's incredible. TMT. Huh. Do but, you still feel like that would happen now? Um, I don't know. I don't care. Huh. That's very interesting. <laughs> now I'm too old. I don't... Huh. Did any girls come in and were like, this is really cool? No, I, di- I dated a girl and I had a lot of toys and she re- actually wrote a book and then she like... She wrote a book, and then there was a character in the book that had toys, and she was like talking about what a loser he was. Oh no, <laughs> my God! Yeah. Damn, that's harsh. Whatever. Wow. Oh, and then I had a lot of toys in my apartment, and I got mugged in North Hollywood, and so I called the police, and then I they came, and I was like outside. I met them outside, and they're like, "Let's go inside. We'll like we'll talk to you inside." And I'm yeah. Like, okay, and they came inside, and the one the one policeman was interview was questioning me and the other one was just like looking at all my toys and then when they were leaving the, the one cop goes uh wow you sure like the matrix <laughs> <laughs> you had matrix toys yeah yeah That's but i had them all like in the box like yeah. pinned on the wall wow know? i don't know wow um i feel like we live so much in a more niche society now that people like or like, oh wow, this guy's like a specialist. He has all these toys. Like, I guess. Well, it it got to a point where, yeah, I think it became like cool to have yeah. some some toy. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. But um. Well, you have a bobblehead case here in Vermont, which I think, yeah, here it might be more strange to have toys displayed. But Paul Thomas, I can send you a picture of my bobbleheads. <laughs> Dodgers bobblehead case. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. Um, yeah. Okay. What's the next, what's the <laughs> yeah, next question? Okay. Okay. All right. By the way, Wait, you far I... surpassed mine. You're already at an oh, yeah. hour and eighteen. I know. Minutes. This is what I didn't want to do. <laughs> I wanted to like perfect. This is great, man. No, I people I sh- love this. I should have answered his email. <laughs> no, it would have taken you more than a day because you would have now... written it and you would have gone back. And you would have proofread but it, it. But it would have, now it's just going to be filled with me going like and uh. But he won't put that in. Paul, don't put those in. All right. No, we're on seven and eight. We're in the home stretch here. What, <laughs> what was it? <clears throat> don't, no, just give people what they want. Yeah, you got to yeah, think yeah. about the fans, dude. Right, this right. is not for Paul. I love you, Paul. But like, this is for the fans, dude. But it's, it, it, yeah. But it's like, if. If I was having a conversation about Avenge Time in person with someone, it would mm-hmm. be much more interesting than right. where I know I'm being recorded and I know I'm I know someone's gonna like write it down and then it just it's mm. the like something being observed that right. doesn't behave the way it's supposed. You know. Right. Well, you're doing good, and people are eating it up, and people love this. People love it. People love this. People love our friendship being here together <laughs> in the improbable Man, Northeast Kingdom of Vermont that we ended up here on the same road. We didn't even know each other before Adventure Time, and now we're sitting here doing a podcast. You know, where our lives are so intertwined. It's incredible. It's you're, amazing. You're so positive. <laughs> I have a positive take on everything. Yeah, I, I <laughs> Cheers. <you>. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question seven. What was it like during the final season? 
What about the finale? Uh, well, we didn't know it was the final season, mm-hmm. which is crucial it, until the end. Yeah, and we were about we were four episodes away, and uh, Tom Herpick had an idea for a four-parter, and uh, and so we were working on that. And then we Adam came and said, "Oh, hey, they just told me that this is going to be the final season. These are going to be the last four episodes." So, wow! So it was like. You thought you were going to have a whole nother season, and they were like, you have four episodes to yeah. wrap this up. Yeah. And I, I think we, Paul Thomas, we talked about this on the on your podcast after we watched the finale. Right. The finale bit. reaction yeah. podcast. I believe it's episode 50. There you go. Yeah. This is like a link. This yeah. is a link. And link just it click up. this link and go to that <laughs> click podcast. This, click this sound. So, yeah, I, I can talk more about that in that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But so yeah, it was. But um, but uh, so they, you know, they gave us uh, some extra time to to sort of wrap everything up that we wanted to wrap up. What was extra time? I think we had like a, a you know, we were working on something where we had we thought we were maybe had another couple weeks to mm-hmm. finish writing or mm-hmm. three or four weeks, and I think they gave us like three months mm-hmm. to, to to really like you know write a a forty four minute finale um and yeah you're getting rebecca involved like writing a song and and just like like kind of lining up everybody and getting everybody involved to like you know that you know i remember we we had the voice record and uh adam came down and we brought all the (laughs) all the actors into the green room and it was like everyone could tell something was like oh something's about to be announced and and adam said hey so all you know things must come to an end and this is going to be the you know, we're, we we have four episodes left, and uh, and you could just tell everyone was like super, uh, like it was emotional. Like everyone was, you know, and you know, everyone's an everyone's an actor, so they're trying to, you know, no one wants to be like sad in front of, you know, so everyone's trying to put on a good face. And but uh, Tom Kenny said, he goes, you know what? Today he goes, this week alone, I did Powerpuff Girls, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And some other third one. <laughs> I've told this anecdote before. And I think I've... Uh, he wearing goes, it out. Huh? Wearing it out. <laughs> well, no, I always forget the third. <laughs> Wait, he's like, I did I did Powerpuff Girls, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And another, another like, and reboot. Rocky and Bowingo. There was another reboot. Yeah. I don't know what it was. <laughs> Samurai Jack, maybe? I don't know. Okay. But uh, he goes, the point is, you know, this show ain't going anywhere. Yeah. And he looked at Jeremy and he goes, you're going to be doing this voice until you die. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy shout out his yeah, yeah. pen. Yeah. Yeah. Which was really like funny and sweet. Yeah. Like, you know, he it, like. And hopefully prophetic. I mean, it should be. In the but he was of, right. He was right. Because yeah. they're doing, they're, 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 you know, it's such a, yeah, they, they own that franchise forever. Yeah. So they can just keep doing stories. And, yeah. In the world where franchises are everything, there's no reason they should ever stop doing new adventure time projects yeah. so we're all hoping that and they i kept do. catching i was like because uh, i do the voice of joshua so i was yeah. like joshua and margaret investigations <laughs> yeah i was like come on so i kept pitching it to adam like it'll be great joshua and margaret investigations and we get to you know and finn and jake are babies and then like you still have ice king you still have bubblegum you still have marceline yeah you still have tree trunks genius it's and you get to, to and it's like, it again and it's like the x-files they're yeah. like they're like investigating like uh, so I pitched that pretty hard. If that ever goes, and I'm not a part of it, <laughs> let it be known, Paul Thomas. Yeah, you make sure people know. You... 
I'm counting on you, McFarland and company. <laughs> company. Don't let this show get made without me. I pitched at the pad really hard and he was just like laughing at me. And then uh, like a year later, he was like, <laughs> just out of the blue. He's like, oh man, you, you can do that if you want. It's <laughs> <laughs> a comic. <laughs> no, it's a show. It's That's like, if show. you want to pitch that to Cartoon Network, you should yeah. do it. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Penn's the best. Shout out Penn. Shout out to Penn. Someday. My you know dream what? is to get Penn on the pod. Of course he doesn't want to come on and talk about, but I think someday we'll get him on. He doesn't want to do that ever again. Mm-hmm. But it'd be so fun to talk to him about it all. You know? It'd yeah. be so great. But he's done like so many interviews and so many uh, like Comic Cons. Yeah. Like so much promotion. Like I went to a thing at Gallery Nucleus where it was like a Adventure Time art show. And, yeah. And, uh, it was great. There was like a line, like the biggest line. The one we did during the show? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wait, were you at that? Yeah. What? Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. And he was like signing, like he signed until like midnight. Like yeah. he just signed until Yeah, we were like upstairs drawing drawings yeah, yeah. for people. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, Tom and Andy were like at the table forever. I did, I had, I, it's funny because I've like allegedly stolen back a lot of the original artwork yeah. from, you know, because yeah. Cartoon Network owns everything you yeah. do for them. And we were on this kind of cusp where most people were really starting to work digitally. And I was one of the people that was still working analog. And I remember I was kind of trying to hoard my backgrounds. And then I remember at a certain point, Dick was like, you have to, tr- you have to give us to the, you have yeah. to give us yeah. these backgrounds. Like we're going to take them. And I was like, oh, okay. And but they were still just in like a a big like uh, a file cabinet, like in folders yeah, in yeah. the studio. <clears throat> and so when I was like leaving, I was like kind of taking a lot of them. But I remember I had taken a bunch of them, and for the get for the nucleus show, I put like the ten favorite pieces of mine yeah. that I had done up for that, and it went into a it went it went into the show there, and I and I never ended up getting those back. Oh, shit. Yeah, and I actually had an opportunity. I remember they were like, you got to come pick up your stuff. And I was like, oh, I'll go do that. And then I didn't. And then they went back to the studio. And then it went to like Iron Mountain. You know, it's really? in the, Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it was there was a bunch of juicy backgrounds that I had done that, that I put in that show. So I kind of sacrificed them to the gods of that show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a, a, that was a, that was a funny thing. That was yeah. a fun show. I remember they used to come try to get my boards. Yeah. And I was like, no. And they're like, you have to. And I'm like, no, I don't. And I, had to, I was like, Derek, I told Derek Dryman that I'm trying to get better as a storyboarder and I need to keep my originals so I can like study them. Yeah. And they were like, okay, okay. Yeah, I know. I should have pushed harder. I could have had all of it. <laughs> uh, I got a lot of good stuff though, allegedly. All right. So uh, was that your answer? Uh, what was it like during the final season? What about the finale? Anything? Any other thoughts about the finale? How did you? How did you like the finale when we talked about it in the? Sure, that was great. We watched it twice in a row. Yep, I cried. It was so good. We watched it with Butchie, our friend here. That's right. Who didn't understand? He had never seen an episode. He had never seen an episode of (laughs) Avengers. It's incredible. Uh, You gotta listen to that pod, (laughs) Paul Thomas. You could also have access to that pod and any pod where I talk about Avenger Time, Paul Thomas, full access. Um. Yeah, no, it was like it was bittersweet because I, you know, it's you work on a show that long, you 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 start to like think about, okay, like 
what, what am I doing after this? Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, but, uh, but at the same time, yeah, you don't want it to end. So it was, uh, but it was nice. They did, they had a big, big party, they had a big rap party. You came out for that. Oh, that was a, that was one of the greatest nights of my life. State of my apartment. That was incredible, and and we already knew you were moving here. That's right. Yeah. That was like an incredible time. <laughs> that was an incredible time because I didn't know if I was gonna go out for that, and then at the last minute, I did decide to go. I think maybe financially at that point. And you, and you were there for like forty eight hours. Yeah, we, I literally flew out for like one night yeah. and and went to it and and stayed with you and then flew back and it was so crazy, but I'll never forget it and. We went in and they had the like a DJ booth built with the treehouse stuff and yeah. like the the I mean the world was everywhere in that place and it was like yeah it was it was overwhelming and to all get the to, stars were out oh my god everybody was there and just to go and I got to take my buddy Luke Dubois shout out who we mentioned on the on the other part of my high school best friend he he was out in LA at that point and I was like come with me to the thing and it was just yeah it was it was just so magical and. And so wrapped it all up, and it was so fun to see everybody. I hadn't seen everybody for a long time, and to to go out and to to be part of the to work on the finale, you know, to me was was super exciting too. I was so excited to be asked to to work on the finale, and they were like, "Oh, we're gonna destroy the treehouse, and you have to do it." And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like that's one of the reasons I was so excited to push those drawings so far, like we talked about on. On the, on Did the it feel previous... cathartic, like blowing it up and like destroying it and like? For sure, it felt like it felt really fun. Like that, it felt it felt like I the first drawings that I ever did for the test was of the treehouse. So the last drawings yeah. to destroy the treehouse was like yeah, very oddly cyclical and cathartic and like amazing and magical and and I knew that like people were just gonna have such a such a reaction to it all and like. And, and how magical the finale was and how, how, you know, I don't know, seeing how some shows end like Lost or these other shows that you love and then, you know, seeing how Adventure Time was going to end and just knowing that it was going to be great, you know, was was such a cool thing. So, you know, it's definitely odd that you guys had to rush it kind of to, to, to finale because of how much the show means to the network. It's so kind of absurd that that was the conditions put on it, but but that you guys did such an amazing job with it. And then, cause it always starts, you know, it's funny. It starts with the, in the writing room and then it ends with the, with the design, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. you know, I'm always seeing the end product that so many people have already worked on. It's already boarded and all that before I get to look at it, but to be so blown away by the scope of everything and, and how beautiful it all ended was, I was so, so thrilled and happy. So yeah, I couldn't have been more happy with the whole finale. And then the two things that stick out to me about it is that I got to watch Adventure Time with my son and for him to, to have started Adventure Time before I even knew my wife and then for it to go long enough that my son got old enough to to like watch the whole thing with me and really appreciate it and love it. And then that we got to, you had moved here and come here and we got to watch the finale together. Like the destiny of it all was so epic in my life. The the whole destiny of it, of me going out there and working for Cartoon Network and, 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 and having such epic failure and then success. And then, 
you know, becoming such a landmark thing in, in my career and then it having such an impact on coming here and doing the Ghost Scouts and having so many people know about Ghost Scouts through it and be interested in coming and then you coming here through Ghost Scouts and then you moving here and then there's so much, it's all tied up in so much of our destiny and that's so amazing. And then and then I, I, I wrote it down, but I didn't say it in, in my part, but when I had gotten fired off of Flapjack and we were on the first very uneasy, uh, you know, working on Adventure Time in the beginning. Um, and and uh, I had come back after winter break, which was still very much fresh in being fired off of Flapjack and coming on to Adventure Time. It was very early on in, in me coming on Adventure Time and everything being very uncertain. And me having me fearing me feeling very awkward about just being fired from upstairs and now working downstairs on Adventure Time. And I came back and there was a wrapped gift on my desk and I opened it up and it was from you and it was a David Lynch ashtray. <laughs> and, and 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 it was it was it was crazy. I know I've said this before, but it was crazy how much that meant to me. Like you were the first person from Flapjack who had like acknowledged me still being at Cartoon Wait, Network. We, we, we talked about this? I, th I feel like we have. Yeah, yeah. I feel well, like I've said it before. I was, I was, uh, I was uh, in China when you got fired. Right. Well, and, and another crazy piece of that destiny, it was, a, it was your outline yeah. that was part <laughs> of the contention of like, you know, like, like Mike didn't like that. My storyboard partner didn't like that outline. And we, we were like, ah, you know, this is kind of a shitty outline. Let us rewrite it. And yeah. the, like, it was so like, it's so funny how yeah, Mike was mad at me. Our yeah, yeah. It's so funny how our destiny is so intertwined. Yeah. Like the, literally we met on, we met on Flapjack, the episode that was a debacle that I got fired off of on Flapjack was your, was an outline that you wrote and then when I, when I, yeah, like this, this, this event that we're talking about, when I came back and, and saw this, you know, I felt like a pariah. I felt so humiliated. I, my ego was destroyed, you know, and, and just trying to come back and, and, and figure out what I would, what the fuck I was doing here at Cartoon Network. And then coming back and opening this present from you, which was, you know, we, we shared this love of David Lynch. And when I was on uh, Flapjack, you know, the Lost Highway, like special edition DVD had come out and we had watched it at your house. And then and then well, I came back and I found this David Lynch ashtray present on my desk at Adventure Time. And I opened it and, I, and it, it just meant so much to me. You were the first person who kind of acknowledged who had bridged the gap from Flapjack to kind of me still being Cartoon Network. And I was like, wow, like Kent came down here and gave me this gift. Like, this is incredible. It, like that really did mean the world to me at that time. And it's so crazy that now like you live here. It's so yeah. weird how yeah. the, like the foreshadowing, like in, in yeah. a movie, if you wrote it, like the right, foreshadowing right. of all that is so thick and juicy. And it's just insane to think about that. Yeah. And, and yeah, that how much that meant to me at that time. So, you know, yeah, me getting that, um, that, that ashtray, you know, well, I remember that, you came up to me and you were like thanking me and you felt, I was like, ah, okay, I did a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, like, did you know at that time where you're just like, oh, I'm going to like, what made, what, like, what prompted no, you? I was to... like, I want, I want Gershom to know that like he's loved and wow. like, 
I, you know, I because I that's that's humiliating to yeah. like, and, and it is a bruise to your ego. Yeah. But, um, and you had been through stuff like that, like the darker side of sure, you know sure. the entertainment industry. Well, it's just losing a job, being told, mm-hmm. "Hey, this is this is coming to an end, mm-hmm. and it's not your choice." Yeah, we don't want you here. Boom. Yeah, but also I knew too that like, you know, you're you're like there was a lot of. Uh, big egos on flapjack and you were you know it was a lot of people that like were on it from the beginning and then you know third brought you out and so you came in and you're a you're a big personality and like i think you yeah maybe rubbed a couple people the wrong way and which you know to me i'm watching it all like oh this is funny like yeah and so i think i like when i went away and i came back from my vacation and like oh gosherm got fired and i was like what and i like you know just felt i felt for you yeah because uh even though i was like oh like okay like i i see what happened and it's okay and it's like this happens all the time and sometimes people aren't a fit and it's just easier to like sort of you know and also at that point you're you're working on adventure you know and i knew like that they're like was like oh i told penn that like he should be you know penn's looking for someone to design backgrounds and like gushroom's perfect for that you know like and then, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, that is, that's great. Like, I kind of saw it as like, oh, wow, like, you're coming on to, like, Adventure Time. Because also, I wanted to be on Adventure Time. So I was like, yeah. I was like, holy shit, you, yeah. like, this awful thing happened to you, but you're landing on your feet. Yeah. But, um, and then I was in a store and I saw that ashtray and I thought about, you know, but I easily could have not been in that store and yeah. not given you a gift. It was hot topic, right? Where, where did where did it come from? No, no, I think I was in. Uh, it was in. Uh, uh, there was a store in uh, Los Feliz. Okay. Called. Uh, I wish I still had the ashtray. It's called like EQ or YQ. I remember they got washed off. Like the image got washed off yeah, somehow. Yeah, it was, it was pretty time. cheap. Yeah. Someone made it. Yeah. Someone made it and sold it. Yeah. It was in like a trendy store. Yeah. Like, I actually this past Christmas I tried to find it. I was gonna get it for you for this Christmas gift. I, I tried to find it. Oh really? Yeah. I thought that would be. I was like, I'm gonna give this to, back to Ken as a gift. I remember I said it was that, and there was a Don Draper one. I bought the I bought them both. Oh, that's I, so I gave funny. the Don Draper to yeah. someone else. And yeah. Shout out Mad Men. Shout out. Shout out. Rob Storcher. <laughs> Great taste. Yeah, but that truly did mean the world to me at the time, and who could have known? Really, because like we had a very casual friendship at that point, you know, right, right. and and yeah, I mean, still even you know that meant so much to me, but I had no idea uh, of the of the scope of the destiny that was at play there, you know. I remember when you when you showed up, and I, you know, I was like, oh, this guy's really loud. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it must have been crazy. I mean, I was definitely like, I was definitely feeling myself too hard when I came. You know, yeah. I was definitely like feeling i think my ego was definitely too big at the at, at the point that i came and you know i mean i still think i was i was bringing it creatively like i totally have, well that's the thing yeah like if you were the, if you were the way you were and you were not bringing it creatively yeah then you would have been even more legendary yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah like the fact yeah you're like your stuff's incredible i mean i just am the way i am i'm a loud person i come in i'm the you know it's like yeah. from 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 i had to stay back in kindergarten and i was the loud <laughs> too loud for kindergarten so you know it wasn't gonna you know that was that was but, prescribed but i think people and I'm myself included sometimes it's like, you take it personally You're yeah like, well wait what's going on yeah now? Or yeah like, what's yeah what's happening yeah 
Yeah, well, it was just it really came down to not being the right fit. It just wasn't a good fit. If, you know, if it was if I was because I was all that too on Adventure Time, it just was a perfect fit. You know, so it was like you know, right? I mean, there's all kinds of stories about Kelly, you know, be coming in and like, you know, there was some rumor going around that I had, you know, Kelly Cruz, the producer, that I had gone and sit in her chair and put my feet up on her desk and like demanded a crazy amount of money to work on the show and I like there was all kinds of like. Like, you know, my, my, I think my big personality had a different impression on a lot of people. Kelly just said, she goes, so you're friends with Dan? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, I was driving and I saw him on his bike, like coming down the, like, cause the, the, the street goes over the freeway yeah. and it's like a really steep hill and yeah. you're just like bombing down the hill, like wearing all Celtics, like my, riding my bike. Yeah. yeah. Just like flying through the, and she was like. I just can't believe he was going so fast. Like she was so like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I think I was at the peak of my insane powers at, yeah. at that time. Like, like, like the LA period of time. And then like coming to Vermont and like the first couple of years in Vermont of, of, of Go Scouts, I think is like the peak insanity for me. I think that was like peak crazy insanity for me. So, yeah. Do you remember going to like on Flapjack? We all went to lunch at a diner. Tell me more. And we were all sitting in a booth, and you were like in the middle, and you were like, "I gotta take a piss," and people started to get up, and you were like, "No, I got it," and you like climbed over the booth. Like, <laughs> I don't even remember that. That just sounds. That's like, one of my first yeah. memories of you, and I was like, "Oh God!" I was like, "This is so embarrassing." Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it was sounds... like a crowded, yeah, <laughs> like everyone yeah. saw you, and you're like, uh, "Yeah." Plus, I had also coming straight out of like living in the woods alone, like with my dog, and yeah. like you know, I was like, yeah. yeah, I was very much at the height of like just peak insanity. And it's funny too, like now I always like see, <clears throat> like my son Wolf is like you know just just peak energy and always doing everything like inappropriately, <laughs> and I'm always like, oh god, and like that's a that, this is really like a lot of what I was doing then is like exactly what my son would do now, yeah, like yeah. you know, it's like. Yeah, this is very funny. Like how just pure energy like just can burst out of people and manifest in so many interesting ways. Yeah. But I feel like there's like it gets a reaction. There's one of two reactions. People either like, oh, I don't like that, or they're like, Oh, I'm just gonna sit here and be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. like you don't have anyone like yeah. going, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very odd thing. Yeah, I was very like uh, I I could see how I could elicit very uh, polarizing responses from people, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And I also loved the idea of like always, obviously being a legend and like making an impact on yeah, people and yeah. like being bombastic and being a character and like you know like I I was built like through my illustration career I was building my character and then all of a sudden I'm like being brought out to LA to work for Cartoon Network to do my shit and I just felt like oh man I'm the man like I was like it was the it was the peak of like unadulterated ego yeah. and then that got crushed and then I like kind of rebuilt it and like figured out where it made sense and you know still definitely like I think definitely perpetuated it throughout Avenger Time as well but maybe in a slightly different way I don't know I remember on MySpace once you were like does anybody have Lost Season 3 on DVD I'll give you original artwork and I immediately I saw that and I was like yes I, ha I have it I have it I'll give it to you tomorrow and then I didn't hear back from for a while. And then you were like, oh, someone else, someone else already, like, I got it sorted. Yeah. 
And I was like, oh, okay. And then you did that amazing piece. Yeah. I was like, damn, yeah. I could have had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was an amazing time. That was that was that was just so fun. That was so fun. Like I love that time in LA. Like you know, there's riding bikes everywhere riding in LA. Bikes, MySpace. Oh my god, MySpace being all being super inappropriate on beer, MySpace. Beer keg in my office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it was definitely uh, such an amazing time, and and and. You know, I, you know, I, 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 I appreciate the fact that I'm like, uh, you know, I am the way I am and I'm like, uh, you know, I kind of have to do my own thing. And, you know, I ended up working in, you know, my apartment most of the time and that's the way it works for me to work best creatively. But because of the fact that the studio of Adventure Time was so packed with amazing creative talent i almost wish that i was more of the type of person that could have been in studio and part of that in studio culture more um, <laughs> what you came in to watch celtics games i know but like I mean, exactly like i mean i i could I'm, I'm i i am i am myself for better or worse like you know through through better through richer or poorer like i can't help it i'm one of those people that just can't get out of my own way you know, or, or is in my own way in the best of ways, uh, you know, just, just all the time, nonstop. But, you know, it, 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 it was such a, there's so many amazing people in that studio. And yeah, it's one of those things that looking back, you know, it's like if we could take a time machine and go back to that time and just like hang out in the studio with everybody and where we all were at that time and, you know, pre-family and pre-certain <laughs> responsibilities and, you know, Oh my God, like what, just what a, what a powerhouse of like d creative genius is going on there at that time period and, and all that. I mean, I just have such a love and appreciation for everybody that was a part of it and, and all the, all the things that were going on there, you know, it was such a cool thing. Totally. <laughs> all right. Are we on the last one? What? All right. That's not the last yeah, one. This is not the last one. All right. Let's see where we're at. Oh, I got an hour and 45 minutes for I know, yours. But this is, I mean, you just talked for like 10 minutes, man. We just talk, you you just... talked a lot for mine, too. You talked yeah. a lot for mine. All right. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> You're talking more during mine. All right. Paul Thomas, you, you let us know who talked more during whose. Thing. all right question number eight what are your thoughts about about the fandom did you all ever go to or look at fan sites did the dedication to the show surprise you um the, well the dedicate you know it was fun when it like first started um like going to comic-con and seeing kids dressed up as finn like, when did that start? Like, what what season was that? Three. I, I feel like as soon as it was on the air, it was mm. like people. I, th I feel like there was enough people who had seen the. There was enough fans, especially online, who had seen the pilot. So by what by the time it came on, it was yeah. people were ready for it. And, um, but uh, yeah, I think. I mean, yeah, it was probably a couple seasons in where you were like, oh, okay, this is like this is like becoming a phenomenon. Um, I don't know. 
there's like little things where like there was like a Honda commercial where they were using all these like different things from pop culture and they used the adventure time thing or like yeah. McDonald's thing. you know it's like when there's McDonald's yeah, like toys. Hulu ads and like yeah, yeah yeah and there's just like there's you're like oh okay like wow like I remember when you you and somebody went and get bought the Hot Topic like like sweatshirts yeah we and, went to the mall and yeah. got all the merch like yeah. all this all the all the all the apparel that they had yeah um and then yeah like in, in, as far as like uh like we, I, there were people that would go on uh 4chan there was like because there were there were kids that would watch a bench time as it would air and so yeah, when it would like if it was like four o'clock or whatever, you know, on the East Coast it was coming on at seven. So it was like at four o'clock you'd go to your office and you'd go on the you'd go to this like four chan thread and people would be commenting like as they're watching the episode. And it was kind of fun. And there's there's some people there's some like some some of the people would do that, like go there and then come back and like talk about it, like, oh someone said they like you know, whatever. So it had an effect. Like, you think there was a feedback loop from, like, the reaction of the show to the creation of the show? Uh, yeah, I feel like the people who worked on the show were definitely aware of the fans. I remember Tom Herpick, like, specifically, because I'm, like, homies with Tom. Like, I remember he would, like, talk about the reaction to the shows. And, like, yeah. you know, he was very aware of that. I was like, completely unaware of it. I wasn't tuned into it at all. And I was so in my own bubble that... That wasn't a consideration of mine at all, but I found it fascinating that like it seemed like the storyboard artists in particular were like, "Well, if it's your episode, yeah, you're, and because it's weird, it was like you know you would go on and there people would say your name, like, yeah, people would go like, well, Ken Osborne wrote this episode, so he also worked on blah, blah, blah. you know, and you're like, oh, like it really like. Do you remember anything that you read on there that you particularly like disagreed with? You're like, oh my god, this is like so unfair, like. I mean the the the. That 4chan thing, it was just people responding as they're watching it. So yeah. it was like very quick yeah. like, thoughts where someone would be like... Oh, so it's like a live stream. Yeah, and they would yeah. just like, they would like highlight a quote that they liked. Or uh -huh. they would say like, ah, Shelby's looking sweet. Or, you know, and you'd be like, haha, like... Um, and then someone would be like, this show, this episode sucks. <laughs> and you'd Did like, you feel like the reaction was mostly positive or more negative? Or what was the vibe of the culture of the online yeah you know it was online so like yeah it's like a mix yeah, yeah. like it, it seemed like at a certain point too like there were people that like loved the show when it started and then they were like hating it yeah. as it was turning into something else or but then there's people that were but like yeah you would see like nine comments where everyone's like saying they like it and then one person's like i don't like it and you you would be, be hit by that or you know be like what like someone doesn't like this or i always think about that and that's so interesting because i always think about like how athletes are criticized and analyzed there's you know for nba there's analytics of now he's being inefficient and now you know like i always yeah. think like man it'd be so crazy as an artist to be constantly analyzed for your choices and that is kind of what happens well, the, the, on the the thing that was weird was there would be kids who were like talking about the behind this like the production yeah. side of it like oh they uh made season five twice as long because the writers were tired and needed a break and you're just like wait what like that doesn't even make any sense yeah like why would you make a season twice as long yeah um or just someone would say like well they're doing this because of this or they're you know like they would start like ex like like saying with authority what you were doing and it was like no we're not we're not what like that doesn't make any sense so that's what that was always surprising to me 
yeah that, that people would just like because they've read some you know articles online or like they they're they're like monitoring all the chatter from the people that work on the show and so then they come up with their own idea of what's going on and uh so that is always an amusing slash annoying yeah um but for the, but I would always like I would like I would screenshot like people would say really funny comments and I would like save them and um did it did the feedback ever affect you positively or negatively in the creation of things did it ever get to have any influence on anything no I mean you know if in the writers room we'd pitch an idea sometimes we'd be like oh the fans are gonna love that or yeah, something you know yeah. but for the most part yeah you you're kind of just you have to like tune it out because you're just you can't start you can't think about you have to make, you know, if you're making something, you have to make it th- th- for yourself. And, yeah. You know, you can't think about what the fans are going to think or something. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely, like, episodes where we're sort of, like, uh, yeah, poking fun at, like, you know, breaking the fourth wall a little or something or, like, talking, you know, talking about fans or... Mm. But, um, I don't know. Like, yeah, going to Comic-Con is always really fun just seeing people dressed up and people coming up and talking to you and stuff and then and did it surprise you the the how how the reaction to the show like like when you when you when you first came on the show you know i mean especially you've you've you know you've had a career in the animation industry you've you've been on spongebob which has become a big show did you have any inclination that that adventure time was gonna become like that or or you know were you surprised by it was there anything about it that surprised you or i mean i wasn't surprised by it but spongebob was yeah my first job and that was like a big phenomenon and Mm -hmm. i worked you know other jobs and people were like oh you got spoiled you were on like a hit like your first you know and so it was it was nice to like be on another show that like kind of achieved that level but uh but i like it wasn't surprising because i i was a fan of it like i loved the pilot and i loved i loved it before i worked on it so and i love pen and uh but i'm just i was surprised at like like someone did a um Someone did a YouTube video where it was like the Inception trailer. They used the audio and then they took footage from the show, from like the first season, Mm -hmm. and like cut it together so like the mouth shapes, like, you know, go, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? Corresponded. Correspond with the dialogue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But it was so good. Like, it was like, I've probably watched that more than 99% of the YouTube videos that I've seen. Uh, but, uh, that, so that's cool. Like when, when fans do like, they make something, you know, like with the show, they like, they do their own thing with it or they, they make a, you know, funny chart or something based on the show. And like, that's cool. Like I like, that's like, yeah. (laughs) And did you ever get any, like, I don't know, what do you, the, 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 did you ever have any interactions with the fans that are that that really are inspiring to you? Do you ever like you know, just get moved by the fact that you've done something that has been part of you know people's childhood and and you know the the, the just a just an era and an epoch of people's lives and you've been part of their 
development and their inspiration and their creativity. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's just, it's nice when you meet someone and they're just like, oh, like you start making small talk with them and they're just like, what do you do? And you're like, oh, I write, you know, cartoons. I worked on Rift Time. If someone's like, oh, oh my God, I love Adventure Time. Then you just like, all of a sudden you like know right away. Like, oh, this person's like, yeah. Uh, likes Adventure Time. <laughs> like, has a really good taste. Yeah, it always blows my mind when people are like, this was part of my childhood. I started watching this when I was a kid and like, I'm grown up now. And you know, it's like people message me all the time on Instagram now saying stuff like this. And it's just like, wow, that's incredible. Like, I yeah. love that. I love that. You know, it's, it's so special and important. Yeah. Yeah, it feels, feels good to be a part of it. <laughs> dope, dope. All right. So that's it. That's it. Thanks, Paul. Thank uh, you, Paul, for Jesus. these great questions. Yeah. First of all. And second of all, thank you, Kent, for answering these questions. And third of all, me for doing this podcast and wow. you know bringing it all together third build yeah on you your know, own podcast i like to be humble wow. I like to, you know <laughs> so i like to tell i like to have the scraps yeah, I like yeah. To give everybody the the choice cuts what a benevolent yeah. leader <laughs> any other thoughts wrapping this up any other anything that you didn't think to throw out here or any other kind of closing thoughts on mm. adventure time or no i was i was reluctant to do this <laughs> I hope Paul Thomas is a good editor. And I hope he's, I hope he's the Adventure Time of of editing. <laughs> and I hope that something I said is interesting or can be. Oh, there's definitely a lot of. They got three hours plus of material here, so there's gonna be yeah some good stuff here. But I, you know, uh, did Adventure Time? I mean, you've worked on a lot of projects. I mean, you know, is Adventure Time? Does it does it does it feel special? Does it you know is it is there do you you know do, I don't know do you, is there is there something? Yeah, there's no other show I worked on. There was a podcast where we're answering questions from <laughs> someone who's working for Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, yeah, it was company. such a magical thing, right? Like it's it's one of those things. It's like a one in a lifetime. Like yeah, like how many people would just like fantasize and just like dream about being able to contribute to a show like this and like just it happened for us yeah pretty cool for us right place right time <laughs> yeah right right guys but you also have right to have, life you gotta have the goods you gotta contribute you can't you just, gotta deliver yeah as we both know you can be right place right time <laughs> yeah. and they're like you can be fired you're like we need a brain surgeon yeah they're like right place right time yeah. like, do you know how to do brain surgery no yeah Wrong guy, wrong place. Yeah. Right place, right time, wrong guy. Yeah. Or gal. Yeah. You're at the right place in the right time, just not for you. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Tight. Yeah. So. You're just, you're trying to make, you want this to be longer than yours. No, this is way longer. What? This is, <laughs> we're at 158. This is almost it's twice as long. Uh. All right. All right. That's it. Boom. Paul Thomas, thank you for the questions. Hopefully we have given you lots of juicy stuff to dig through and you got your work cut out for you to translate it all and migrate it all into your book. 
but we did it and that's better than not doing it so you're welcome <laughs> boom <laughs> there you have it there you go three hours of interview content with the head designer of adventure time and the head writer of adventure time bam that was fun i'm so glad that paul thomas hit us up shout out to paul uh it's all yours my friend take and do with it what you will um, and uh, we will always have these wonderful podcasts as a little time capsule and a little artifact uh, <laughs> about this wonderful night that me and Ken spent together in each other's wonderful company and just really had a great time uh, going down memory lane. And uh, as I said on part one of the interview, um, there is lots of other Adventure Time content uh, in the archives of the Ghost Shipper Friends podcast. Uh, every episode is on SoundCloud, so be sure to check that out. Uh, many other guests from Adventure Time have uh, graced us with their gifts and their gems and their wisdom and their inspiration, and uh, we'll continue to do so for sure. I'm always pursuing uh, whoever hasn't been on the pod to jump on and uh, and, and going to be bringing, circling back around and bringing back those guests that have already been on, you know, because this is all about catching up with my friends and sharing inspiring conversations with you all so you can sit there and get a little bit of hype, get a little bit of fuel while you're working on your visual art at your desk, in your studio, wherever you may be around the globe. Oh, that's right, because we love building creative communities, connecting with each other, and just like uh, fully experiencing what it is to be a creative animal in an infinite fucking universe um so uh yeah anybody that wants to get in on round seven of the 12-week online group workshop that's going to kick off in mid-april um it's five-ish weeks away something like that if you want to get a spot uh you can start doing a payment plan right now the class is twelve hundred dollars and uh however you want to break it up as long as you are paid up by the time we start the class boom you go in sonny you go in sizzla because we are going to level you up we're going to take you in we're going to build you up and 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 bring your superpowers out right that's really what we do um i really love helping people develop their voice as an artist their vision of who they want to be as a person as a creative animal in, in in this infinite universe and and create a vision of you know really what they what they want their life to be about and and just you know making new friends all over the globe you know we got we got japan in this round we got the uh uk in this round we got um or or england i should say are they still part of the uk what i don't even remember what's going on um we've got russia shout out to my man in rusa um everybody is having a great time in there uh we are in week eight 
which is a, a promotional poster for yourself as an illustrator. We getting into branding, had a big talk about branding this week and uh, just continuing to share work, gift feedback, having fun. So if that sounds good to you, weekly assignments, weekly one-on-one vid chats, uh, monthly group chats, it's very personal. It's, it's all about you and how you want to work and what you want to do with your shit and uh, lots of in-depth um, analysis and breakdown of what's working and all the pieces and all that. It's a very fun time. It's very high energy. It's very hype. Um, just like this podcast, it's real. It's raw. It's personal. Oh shit, we doing it. We live in this dream life. I do this workshop because it really pumps me up. It makes me excited. And I just love having creative conversations with people. It really makes me happy. It really gets my juices flowing. You know what I'm saying? So uh, you can hit me up and go to the website, check out all the info about it. And then of course we have the alumni group that you go into once you are finished with the workshop. So it just keeps going. It keeps going forever. You know what I'm saying? It's pretty great. It's pretty great. Um, and if you want to support the podcast, uh, you know, rate and review on iTunes is awesome. I think that has to do with more people finding it. Um, obviously, if you know someone that might benefit, a visual artist out there who needs some hype, who who wants some extra inspiration in their life, send the podcast to them. Um, share the podcast with your followers. Um, and you can go over to GoShrimpGlobal.com and pick up a GoShrimp and Friends a sweatshirt, a shirt, uh, got tons of other merch. I've got posters. I've got prints. I've got Adventure Time prints. You know what I'm saying? Uh, all kinds of good shit. Um, tons of shirts, tote bags, all kinds of on-demand merch that is very high quality from Printful. They get it right out to you. It's super awesome. We've had great success with that. And I couldn't be more thrilled about it because it allows me to get a lot of high quality merchandise available to people without having to go and do all this legwork myself. So it's a real blessing. Um, and uh, if you want to contribute to the pod directly, head on over to patreon.com slash ghosttrimp and pledge your support. Just like these people at the $1 per podcast level, that's called that dripping breakfast smoothie, that nutrients that your body craves uh, to get through your day. There's nothing that's going to put some pep in your step like a homemade green smoothie, just all that blended nutrients to supercharges you will make you feel jacked up you know what I'm saying so don't forget to drink your smoothies people uh big shout out to all the one dollar contributors as a group every dollar is crucial every dollar is is appreciated i love it thank you so much um at that two dollar and up level we got that beef stew shout out going um so we are kicking it off with Olive Furball, get that beef stew. And of course, the shout outs today are uh, for everyone who supported the last episode, part one of this interview, episode 79. Uh, and so these are all the people that supported that episode. Um, another bowl of beef stew and this is a vegan one mind you because we got non-vegan options we got vegan and non-vegan shout out to the non-vegans shout out to the vegans we shout out everybody there ain't nobody that we ain't shouting out on this podcast you know what i'm saying we are here for everybody but specifically we're here to shout out Lermy, aka ghost scout computer person you know check her out she's killing it 
get yourself that beef stew, homie. Uh, we got a big bowl of beef stew going out to Portland to current workshopper. She's going to need this bowl of beef stew because she's working hard and she's killing it. I'm talking about Lou Funky. How about that? How about that name? Lou Funky. And she is funky and she's bringing the funk in the workshop right now. You know, you want to join that crew? Sign up today. Um, we got my man in Japan, another workshopper, Craig Bowers. We got a big bowl of beef stew going out to Sam Bag. We got a big shout out going to Jersey to Shell Durkin, my man. In the alumni group, that workshop alumni group is strong. Another one out in Armenia Comics, Queen Shamaram. Right? She's part of the fam already. She's that second cousin, and she's already, you know, she she brought Bark out to teach in Armenia. I mean, she's bridging those gaps. She is getting close to first cousin status. Is she going to become a Ghost Scout? I certainly hope so. Big shout out to Ghost Scout, Butterflesh, a.k.a. Seth Bird. Get yourself some beef stew, my man. Hope all is good with you. Big shout out to Gerard Jones. Sign up for that workshop, homie. He's been hitting me up about it. Don't delay. Sign up today. That's what my man Bobby C. Morgan, a.k.a. The Nobby Wood, would definitely tell you to do. How much wood would a wood Nobby Wood if a wood you sign up for the workshop? You know, he's chilling in that alumni group. And he knows what it is to fucking chase that dream life. He's doing it, y'all. He's doing it. Big beef stew. Shout out going to Chris Burke. Big shout out going to Joran Thornton, a.k.a. Michael Joran. Ghost Scout family represent. Big beef stew. Shout out to Devin Newman. We got a bowl of beef stew headed out to the West Coast. Some people call it the best coast. I'm talking about Alejandro Fuentes. Workshop alumni. Another workshop alumni. This time, New York City side. Talking about Jesse Primo. Primo living that dreamo. Oh, supporting his own or supporting... <laughs> Supporting the last episode of the podcast and his own, I'm sure. Kent Osborne, aka Ghost Scout Harvest Moon, aka my neighbor, aka my newest bestest friend, and my only friend with two Emmys. Or no, how many does Tom Herpick have? Fuck, we gotta get him on. Uh, big shout out to Mr. Husband, aka Chris Murray. Big shout out going to Ryan Sims. Oh yeah, Chris Murray is also, he is a Ghost Scout. He is a supporter of this podcast and he is a workshop alumni. We got a shout out going to Ghost Scout Frogadile Dundee. We got a big bowl of beef stew headed over to Michael Brancato. 
Big shout out to Stop Motion Animation Legend Anthony Scott. We got a shout out to my cousin in New Zealand. Talking about Ghost Scout Sports Magic. Talking about Daniel Foothead, Dr. D Foothead, psychedelic animator extraordinaire. Check him out before he, whatever. Just check him out. Alexi Jaru, a.k.a. Ghost Scout, a cheeky bookie. You know he's loving that beef stew, man, up there in Canada. Big shout out to fellow Adventure Time alumni and alumni of this very podcast, Jesse Moynihan. Big shout out to Mark Osborne, Hollywood big shot director and brother of Kent and friend of mine. Big shout out to Bark the Dog, a.k.a. Crab the God. Who knows about that crab conspiracy on Patreon? Crab the God. Search it. Find it. Join it. Come into the conspiracy with us before it's too late. Uh, Big shout out going to Jessica Doni, the original Beef Stew shout out supporter. Never forget. Uh, big shout out to my man, Raphael Tanghall. My fellow Pratt alumni. Went to school together. Love the dude. Check him out. Oxtails.with.cocktails on Instagram. He's drawing again. You don't want to miss it. And he's coming in at that $3 level. Extra beef stew for my man. Um, now we're firing up the grill, y'all. You know how we do it. Oh, it's heating up. And we pulling out another batch of marinated steak tips because at that $5 level, you get that juicy marinated meat on the grill. It's sizzling. And we are giving that first tip of the episode to Johan Everby. What a cool name. So many interesting names on this roster. And coming in at that $5 marinated steak tip level, we've got Pablo Meiji, a.k.a. Young Wolf T. In effect, get that marinated meat, my friend. We got a current workshopper in L.A., Skyler Bloom. Getting that steak tip, Sonny. We've got my man Antonis, a.k.a. Mullet Man, absolutely destroying the workshop. I think his handle on Instagram is I am Mullet Man, uh, formerly Perpetual Output. Um, in the shout outs here and he is just destroying the workshop really cool to see him coming in and flexing those muscles uh big shout out to kayla decora workshop alumni do 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 chilling in the bayou big shout out to my girl down there uh, we got one going over to Maine. You know I'm talking about Erica Melhus and the Norway Brewing Company and her lovely, beautiful family. 
Uh-oh, we take in the elevator below, below, below to floor six, six, six. Because at that $6.66 level, you know you getting some of that grade A beef, Satan's marinated tube steak, dick meat, okay? It doesn't get much more tasty than that vegan and non-vegan options and the first slice (laughs) heading over to my man zeta chomping on that dick meat and we got a vegan option for the last but not least who I'm going to see in a few days because he's coming to be the inaugural Maple Scout over here at Kent's. I'm talking about Krognak, a.k.a. Year 6 Camp Champion, Beard Lips, a.k.a. John Mansfield, coming up from North Carolina. And my man is eating that vegan tip. You know what I'm saying? So big shout outs to everybody supporting the pod. Big shout outs to everybody out there. Um, I know I missed a couple weeks, uh, but we dropping a couple episodes on you right now. Back to back to back to back to back. And I'm going to keep it rolling and hit you with another episode very soon. Um, hopefully, uh, on Saturday, hopefully we can get back to, uh, the preferred sketch here on the pod, getting it up on Patreon on Saturday. Cause you know, then patrons get that shit two days early. So if you want it early, if you want to support, show some love y'all and, uh, everybody be careful out there with this coronavirus going around. Um, you know, if your health is not, uh, you know, robust, Do yourself a favor and stay out of the groups, out of public, you know, and just kind of see how this thing develops because it's, it it seems pretty scary. It's, it's going pretty fast and it seems like there's a wide swath of different levels of information about this thing. And a lot of people kind of ignoring it. I think it's kind of a perfect storm of, of, of information fatigue and misinformation and distrust of, of social media and, and, and media, mainstream media and just all kinds of stuff going on. But, you know, it's, it's pretty scary. Um, you know, I'm scared in particular for people like my dad who have a real bad health conditions going on. Um, my mother-in-law out in L.A. Um, anybody that, you know, has a, a, a diabetes, a respiratory infections, heart disease. Um, if you're battling something like my dad with, you know, coming off cancer, trying to get his immune system back up and, and still having to have different surgeries and whatnot. I mean, you know, you are at risk for this. So please, please, please do yourself a favor and just stay home. Use this as a time to, you know, focus, get some work done, something like that. Don't fuck around. Let this thing run its course. See what's going to happen before you just jump into the mix and and disregard the warnings about it because it seems pretty fucking serious to me. Um, So take care of yourself. Take care of each other. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Pursue those goals. Inspire the people around you to do the same. And have a high morale week. All right? Peace.